Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm your host, Luke Byron. Don't let the beard fool you. I am a child. Joined as always by Tom Kennett, who isn't allowed within 200 feet of a school or a Chuck E. Cheese. Keenan Bonner, <laughs> he's funny because... Sorry, um, Keenan, a man who's no stranger to roofies. And Sean Shute, whose win certainly does fit into the bracket of not being illegal, but certainly is frowned upon. We're the four best friends that anyone can have. Today's matchup pits 2009's The Hangover up against 2004's Shaun of the Dead. How's everyone doing just today? Before, just before we begin, if you've changed that on the fly after me mentioning my weight loss, then congratulations, because that's fantastic. <laughs> I haven't, but I'll, uh, I'll take it. Oh, if, were you going to try and call me funny because I'm fat? And then, <laughs> that's fine. I, thought I'd, oh, okay. I thought I'd hint at it yeah, and yeah. then uh, continue, so I got two for the price of one. Yes, you did. Well done, you. It was an excellent <laughs> intro. I got a, I got a rough gig, but it was an excellent <laughs> intro. <laughs> You're a nonce, and I'm a date with so. Hey, I told myself slightly with the "Don't let the beard fool you." Initially, I did call myself Bradley Cooper's unofficial body double. So. Okay. There we go. So, okay. You went for the closer say, to the mark. Uh, yeah, I was going to well, say. Remember, uh, when I first met you, I said you reminded me of Alan from The Hangover. Yep. And, and yep. your infamous response was, I'm not fat and I don't have a beard. And, uh, exactly. <laughs> the tie to time wait for no one, mate, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say yeah, that uh, TK can pull off a backdoor shuffle that even Doug would be proud of, but then switched it to a Chuck E. Cheese in 200 feet of a school. So there I you go. It, People listening. Well. <laughs> have got a behind the scenes there as well as the initial intro so two for the price of one the hangover Shaun of the dead we've got a style clash here we've got one that i can remember being big and the other that i don't really remember coming out because i what were we 10 but i just remember it being one of them that we mentioned occasionally and everyone would get the look if you say you hadn't seen Shaun of the dead so I think I watched it eventually out of necessity just to join the conversation and I'll share my opinion on it later. I think we got mixed opinions on the film on here, but that's what the podcast for. Good chance yeah. to say now. Hopefully you've listened to our interview with David Dobkin, which dropped on Wednesday. That's up on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, all that business. Next week, you'll hear either an interview with Josh Zuckerman or Travis Wester from Eurotrip or both, if I'm thinking that we could spoil you. So Wednesday, keep your eyes and ears peeled, and you'll hear another interview, so you got that to look forward to. The Hangover. Can everyone remember when this came out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Although I did get a mix-up with when the second one came out. But. So I can tell you weirdly exactly when it came out. I'm pretty sure it came to cinemas the week that I finished secondary school, because we finished early... And we walked into town from Mould School to go and watch it at the cinema, about 10 of us. Oh, I don't think I saw it at the cinema. Shame, actually. One of the points I had on this, actually, was comedies like this, one of the biggest issues, and probably more so then, was that you, you couldn't escape seeing it on Facebook. 
because the quotes and everything would be chucked so far out there that you literally had to see it ASAP or the entire film would be ruined for you. Yeah. I don't know what everyone else ruined, but a lot of references, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you get? Like the Mike Tyson cameo would have hit a lot harder if I didn't know it was there, but they almost do it to sell the film, don't they, these days? So it takes the element of surprise out of it, like they did with David Beckham in King Arthur. I'll wait to see if I wait and see if you've got the trivia. But I actually have a piece of trivia about Mike Tyson in this film that came from the autobiography that you gave me when I went travelling. Oh well, I've got two bits on it, so maybe there's a crossover there. The, the synopsis for some of those I haven't seen the Hangover, but I always think it'd be odd, odd to listen to the podcast if you weren't doing it for that reason. So uh, even stranger if you don't know the synopsis of the Hangover, really. Yeah. <laughs> So the synopsis. <laughs> I was playing that cool, but Sean's ruined the uh, element. My, my not, apologies. Not my apologies. There, I went to I went to itch my chin and I clicked the middle button. I always forget it. Answer the call. Next thing we knew, we saw your pretty face pop it up. Anyway, Gosh, hang over I'm the in a compromising position. <laughs> this has been a rough start to this podcast. I say. <laughs> Three buddies wake up from a bachelor party in Las Vegas with no memory of the previous night and the bachelor missing. They make their way around the city in order to find their friend before his wedding. They somewhat undersell that in the synopsis. Mm, but that is what it is. <laughs> yeah, usually you'll get something like raucous or something along those lines for that kind of film. But a night of debauchery or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you watch it, I do get a synopsis is trying to drag people in, but I do quite like the fact that in this case, it's a little bit undersold and it doesn't give that really doesn't give anything away. But I don't no, know what, just... what was the film last week where the synopsis was just horrible. It was like the bride, it was bridesmaids, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that sounded great. <laughs> <laughs> it was not suddenly to us. Like two jealous people prepare for their friend's wedding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, you've sold it to me there. You've charmed me. <laughs> I guess the appeal of this maybe maybe more when spreading it to people and kind of the word of mouth is that as much as it's a Vegas movie, it's not your everyday film the night out and you get the same thing. So this way you get kind of the Vegas feel and then you still get something completely different to what you're expecting. Well, yeah, I remember when I watched it, it obviously exceeded expectation, but that became kind of the thing that everyone seemed to say. Is like, well, I thought it would be, you know, a bit of a laugh, but it was actually really, like, a classic. Was it hyped coming in? Because, like you just referenced there, TK, it caught me off guard how much I was laughing at it. And I watched it on DVD. I remember on a, on a, I used to go to my dad's on a Saturday, and I remember kind of sticking it on. It must have not been a Saturday kickoff. And then about within about five minutes, you're like, okay, we're in for a treat here. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm sure that you know the sort of the way the trailers were and stuff. They would have got people hyped. I don't remember it being for the first one being that huge. Obviously, yeah. By the time the second one came out, it became something literally everybody was talking about. I don't remember that for the first one. Maybe no, I'm misremembering. I don't know. I was almost disappointed when I saw the opening scene the first time because I usually hate it when it's. Uh, you're probably wondering how I ended up here. And then <laughs> get from there. But when I watched it this time around, so I watched it on Monday night, I, I loved this, the start of it, just him saying, look, we've lost him, 
what did he say? He said that like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. We, we, we get married. <laughs> yeah, that is. It does get you hyped straight away, doesn't? It? Hello, <clears throat> Tracy. It's Phil. Phil, where the hell are you guys? I'm freaking out. Yeah, listen. Uh, we fucked up. What are you talking about? The bachelor party, the whole night. It's things got out of control, and uh, we lost Doug. What? We can't find Doug. What are you saying, Phil? We're getting married in five hours. Yeah. That's not gonna happen. I, I will confess, as much as it is very cliched and played out, I actually do love a. You're probably wondering how I ended up here. I genu- <laughs> genuinely do. It's the most obvious kind of format, however, but I do love them. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it as well. It's just it's tried and tested, I guess. I love the the tweets where there's like a fight video on Twitter and someone's screenshotted of some bloke where he's like halfway down from being dropped. And then <laughs> yeah, capture, like, yeah. you probably want to <laughs> yeah Askram must have had so many of them yeah <laughs> you probably wonder I ended up with a knee in my face he probably was more so getting the it was at this point he knew he fucked up he yeah fucked yeah because <laughs> they are gold as well agreed weird that some memes carry on and some memes kind of uh, falter in that way that should be one that really does carry. It should last the test of time. <laughs> that reminds me of that, you know, that one where it's the, the guy that runs across the screen with his like hands on his face and his like mouth wide open. Yes, yes, you know, yeah. Where sort of finally like goes really quickly across. Yeah. <laughs> should we get into the critics' reviews because this this really will shock you um, when I read you some of these. Hold me back. Hold me because back. I thought this was. I thought this was one of them that just everyone loved regardless. Unanimously loved, yeah. But here we go. So the filmmakers throw in so many forced elements of fast that it dissipates the sense that maybe, just maybe, this kind of thing could happen to any of us. Um, Here's a comedy that understands how to be raunchy and smart and isn't afraid to get a laugh at any expense. Galifianakis went from being an alt comedy idol to a mainstream pop culture figure. The Hangover still feels like a breath of fresh air. Then it kind of goes downhill. <laughs> the movie, in the end, feels as shabby as the unfulfilled lives that we assume these men will resume once the fun and games are over. Jesus. <laughs> um, on to the next one. We have. Uh, in the case of The Hangover, Phillips made a decent diversion, but no classic. Like its heroes, you'll have a good time. Then forget most of it when you wake up the following morning. It's a movie, <laughs> not a film. And I don't know what that means. I've been trying what? to work that out for the last two days. It's a movie, not a film. I am really none the wiser. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's back to the whole uh, living room, sitting room, lounge, front room debate. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a different name for it. It's not. doesn't mean it's something different. I can, I, I can picture Sean being the type to change what he says depending on the company he's in. I bet he's in the trying... workplace he says lounge. What? what? If you describe variations. It your front room or living room or whatever, what, uh, what you right, call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'll you're conf- probably right. I'll, probably I'll, I'll confess I'm pretty flexible with that. <laughs> uh, 
I went into the hangover. No, it's all right. Carry on. (laughs) I went into the hangover with low expectations, but ended up laughing more times than I thought I would. This is this is lazy, condescending, half-assed filmmaking. When in doubt, simply slap a piece of rap music over the top of the action. (laughs) That is quite a good formula, to be fair. Yeah, can I say it works? And then probably the the most accurate. The Hangover might not be top-class indie pop art, but the film represents the best of what comedy can provide. Pure, unadulterated, slap-happy entertainment. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. That's what we've been screaming. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, probably a good time to mention now, Keenan, I really like your idea that you pinged me the other day saying about uh, in between the first and second round, so we're not maybe just treading over the same ground, give the films a bit of space to breathe, that we would each suggest a film that didn't quite make it into the bracket, but that we do feel deserves some recognition. So, I can say to all of you, if any film pops into your head when we're doing these, to maybe have a think with that, because we'll do two episodes with a with a two on each. Um, we'll do maybe not a versus, but we'll cover each of them. So, if there's a film that you've ever wanted to make someone else watch in the comedy bracket, I suppose uh, this is the time to do it. So, while your minds are working during this podcast, you can have a little think. There, we got another three weeks afterwards to come up with one. A little teaser there for the audience. But anyway, on to the trivia, because there really is a lot of it for The Hangover. So anything you want to chip in, talking points, feel free to cut me off as we're going through, so it's not just me uh, rambling as we go here. So no effects or prosthetics were created for Stu's missing tooth. Ed Helms never had an adult incisor grow, and so the fake incisor was just taken out for the parts of the film where his tooth was missing. Never had one grow. <laughs> That's insane. Maybe that was an inspiration for becoming an actor, being able to afford a good little filling. Have you ever seen this? Is, this is just weird. Like randomly, just talking this and TV. Have you ever seen a baby's X-ray of their face? No, I have, I and only because of how weird it is. I saw it on Twitter. They look, they look like a predator. Like not as in from the film, not anything else. But it's honestly, because all their teeth are high up in their head, isn't it? Yeah, it's because you've got normal teeth and then above and below, like in the jaw, there's just adult teeth that are waiting to grow. And honestly, it's the scariest thing. <laughs> I have to Google that afterwards. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. <laughs> it's, oh, fucking ra- it's horrific, <laughs> isn't it? I think uh, I'd prefer it if they look like a predator, if they look like a pedophile <laughs> rather than if they look like that. Jesus. Uh, Ed Helms and Zach Galifianakis' songs, Stu's song and the three best friends three best friends respectively were improvised what do tigers dream of when they take a little tiger snooze do they dream of mauling zebras or Halle Berry in her catwoman suit don't you striped head we're gonna get you back to tyson and your cozy tiger bed and then we're gonna find our best friend it's impressive with any improvisation we've heard to realize that really like that. is unless they've just got an art attack like here's one i made earlier and really they spent the night before shoes song more than three best friends anyone could have 
this this is a real taser was originally going to be used in the taser scene, but lawyers from Warner Brothers demanded that the crew use a prop. Yeah. Obviously. So it sounds like they were all up for it. I was going to say, it had to be them that stepped in. Everyone else was like, yeah, all right. Imagine getting tased in the face. Like, it's not going to be good anywhere. But imagine actually, get, imagine actually having to then pull the... After it's all said and done, and you've probably pissed yourself, you've then got to pull those hooks out of your face and or eyelid. <laughs> in front of a group of children and Rob Riggle. <laughs> With completely different context as well you probably have the bloke that there seems to be in like every office going bloody health and safety what do they do next then eh but because they're <laughs> stopping in to have a taser <laughs> used on set 20 years ago you wouldn't have had this <laughs> wouldn't have batted an eyelid mike tyson might be what you say keenan mike tyson revealed that he appeared in the film to fund his drug habit and that he was high on cocaine when he filmed his scenes he later said that working on the film convinced him to change his lifestyle. He also originally refused to appear in the film, but changed his mind once he found out that Todd Phillips directed Old School, which Tyson liked. That's all true. Also, uh, when he first met the cast, he did not know that he was due to be in the film, oh. according to his autobiography. Uh, he ran into some of the cast and they were like, hey, you're coming to shoot with us in a few weeks. And he was like, what, what, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Possibly because of his lifestyle. Yeah, then yeah. Phoned, then this is like to... NPH in Harold and Kuma. Yeah, so he spoke to... Yeah, pretty similar, yeah. So he spoke to his people and they were like, oh, yeah, uh, we got asked if you wanted to do this. but And he was like, yeah. Then eventually, obviously, agreed and did it and then loved it. And then he wanted to come back really badly for the second one because he enjoyed the first one so much. Didn't he end up suing them after the second one, though? I don't know. Wow. I thought Mike I... Tyson having deals done without his knowing. <laughs> History <laughs> does repeat itself. <laughs> I thought I read that he sued them because he didn't give consent. Something to do with the tattoo. When, um, when oh, actually, I do remember reading that. I do remember reading this. Yeah, um, I don't don't know how far it went or how sort of true it was, but I do actually, now that Sean says it about the tattoo and his yep. likeness. Warner Brothers settled the lawsuit and it wasn't by him. It was brought by Missouri tattoo artist S. Victor Whitmill over the mark on Helm's face, which Whitmill claimed infringed a copyrighted tattoo he created with Boxer Mike Tyson. Terms of the settlement were not disclosed. The, hope, the tattoo artist wanted a bit of that coin. Yeah, I hope Big Mike got a piece of that as well. Because if you had <laughs> tattooed on me or you, or you or I, then no big deal. Even if he wanted to copyright, yeah. no one's ever going to care. But the fact that it was Mike Tyson means he could probably go and ask Warner Bros for a bit. Imagine yeah. if they implemented that like all the time, though. Like, <laughs> like it'd be similar to that Dabala situation. Every time Mike Tyson would appear, <laughs> the image they'd have to pay for the tattoo. Well, like the nightmare when you used to try and sign a like a Brazilian on a football manager, and you'd have to negotiate with like two clubs. Yeah, yeah. used to happen a lot in Syria as well on football manager. Weirdly, yeah, co-ownership and stuff in Syria yeah. it was a nightmare. Uh, ironically, Bradley Cooper is a teetotaler in real life. He quit drinking at the age of 29. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> uh, Lindsay Lohan was offered the part of Jade the Stripper, but turned it down. She didn't like the script and thought the movie would bomb. Heather Graham <laughs> was given the role instead, and Lindsay Lohan later admitted to regretting the decision. Guess I, think it, I think it all worked out for the best. 
she's yeah. she'd have looked the part in the nicest way possible. <laughs> yeah, she could have. She got those eyes. They yep. got hurt in them. <laughs> By depicting and celebrating Las Vegas as the ultimate guy's getaway, the film had a major impact on Caesar's Palace and Las Vegas. So in 2013, uh, as of that year, guests continued to quote Caesar's staff two lines from the film's check-in scene. Did Caesar live here? And do you know if the hotel is pager-friendly? Can I ask you a question? Do you know if the hotel's pager-friendly? What do you mean? I'm not getting a sig on my beeper. I'm not sure. Is there a payphone bank? Bunch of payphones? Business? Um, there's a phone in your room. That'll work. Can I ask you another question? Sure. You probably get this a lot. This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? What do you mean? Did, um... Did Caesar live here? Um, no. I don't think so. I bet they love that. <laughs> yeah, that as a result... That so annoying. If that didn't get tiresome at all. There's things that you used to hear working in retail all the time, and you wouldn't even, like, fake a laugh by the end of it, just to things like, uh, oh, if it doesn't scan, is it free then? Yeah. And so <laughs> having the same one there, probably with people who are finding it hilarious that they're saying it too, they're probably at the point where they're just straight-facing it now. <laughs> See, I could see myself saying one of them if I were, if I was in Caesars because I'd just be I'd just be really happy to be in Vegas to be honest. But the excitement, yeah. If <laughs> you I ever get to... we say it just to tell someone you said it, it's just them that have to deal with it. No, exactly. <laughs> but if I ever get to a point where I say to a checkout to to a girl behind the checkout, if it don't scan, do I get it for free? You've got my permission to take me out, take me outside and put a bolt gun in the back of my. <laughs> <laughs> she had dimed that woman working behind the desk as well. <laughs> Also, as a result of the film, hangover-themed slot machines became popular at casinos through Las Vegas. The Caesars Palace gift shop sold tens of thousands of hangover-related souvenirs. And the Las Vegas Convention and, Convention and Visitors Authority received numerous inquiries from people every year asking if they can recreate some of the film's most wild scenes, such as those involving a tiger. <laughs> You've got to have a lot of money to be writing yeah. to someone in advance asking if we can have a tiger in the hotel room or whatever. <laughs> this I referenced uh, on Tuesday Zach Galifianakis said he tried to forbid his own mother from seeing the film and that he yells at parents of kids who tell him they like it <laughs> he yells at them <laughs> I do I, this is one of my pet hates I don't even know if it's a pet hate actually because I do despise it somebody does a project unless it there probably are limits to it but somebody does a project and then develop some sort of conscience after they've been paid yeah i agree if you if you were happy to take the money at the time it's not as though because i'm that's made him as well it did do a lot for his career he was he was very funny before but i agree did a lot for him but i just think you've taken the money you've done it live with the result like sort of own it it's like a jim carrey with kick-ass 2 he took the money got paid and then suddenly he was very anti yeah. anti-gun but you've just done a, you've just been involved in a two-hour film where people are getting shot every 45 seconds. So <laughs> when when they around and you that little slip of paper, then you had no you had no problem with it at that point in time. Yeah, no no idea where this sort of like moral sort of thing comes from. The hangover no. is not like as much as there's like you know like some raucous to use the word you use, Luke. But it wasn't like you know there's I, a lot. I don't more, know. I'd say there's a lot. There's more. I, put the word in air quotes if you can picture it but offensive films 
Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah, what I was probably trying to say. Yeah, it does annoy. It's always annoyed me that if you were happy to get paid for it and you knew what you were going in, you knew what you were going into, then you own it. I feel um, like it's a bit I, pretentious, isn't it? Like an, yes, an artist absolutely. trying to distance himself from it, kind of thinking they're above yeah. that. Which my career's really... a, my career's a little bit more serious now. I'm trying to yeah. do something a bit a bit more serious, so I don't like that all of a sudden. I remember seeing a, a thread on Twitter before with a kid telling a story about how when he was younger and he bumped into um, Joe Pesci when he was with his dad <laughs> and uh, Joe Pesci asked him what his favourite film was and he expected him to say Home Alone mm. and he said, uh, I think it was Casino that he said to <laughs> and uh, he said Joe Pesci reached into his pocket and gave him a dollar and then he said he looked at his dad and said uh, you shouldn't have done that and walked away <laughs> <laughs> again do you know what I mean? Like, come on, Joe. You before before. No offense, I really I love Joe Pesci, but before Scorsese, mate, you were doing bit part roles. He 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 said he was saying it in like a, as if he was a mobster kind of way. Like uh, you, can, okay. you shouldn't have done joke. that. Yeah, and no. then walked away, like giving him the eyes. That is quite I, funny. I take it back. Now I'm sorry, Joe. Still love you. <laughs> uh, where are we? Oh yeah, Paul Rudd turned down the role of Phil Wenick. Vince Vaughn was also considered for the role. Quite a, a couple of other um, potential castings. Jack Black turned down the role of Alan Garner, and Jonah Hill, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Thomas Hayden Church were also considered for the role. Jake Gyllenhaal in that role seemed mental. Just yeah. an Alan role. Yeah. Yeah. Just a quick question, if you don't mind, who is Thomas Hayden Church? That's usually your speciality, Keenan. So yeah. <laughs> if you don't know, if I oh let me Google him and I see let me go. Get a photo of him before having a look, and I'll see if I can tell you anything he was in. You're usually the man for kind of the B-level actors. The go-to. Um, he, he looks played, like... Uh, he played the Sandman in Spider-Man 3. He looks like, like uh, maybe a more well-groomed Mickey Rourke. Less drugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got no idea who that guy is. He was in Spider-Man. <laughs> I can remember him in that role now that you've said it, but even still, that gives him no right to be to be here and not mentioned as if like, he's a major star alongside Gillen Hall, Jonah Hill, Jack Black he, in that role would have been horrific. He, 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 he yeah. hasn't got he hasn't got it. I no. think I think when we do the when we at the end do the recastings, we'll we'll go over these and we'll say whether we think they could have worked or not. Yeah. Okay. That's um, fine. Will Ferrell and Seth Rogen were considered for the part of Stu. Jeremy Piven was first approached and turned down the role. Oh, I would love that. Uh, the plot was inspired by a real event that happened to Trip Vincent, a producer and friend of executive producer Chris Bender. This feels like the wedding crashes one where they actually just crashed a wedding for three minutes. This says uh, Vincent had gone missing from his own Las Vegas bachelor party, blacking out and waking up in a strip club being threatened with a very large bill. <laughs> so being inspired by a real event the hangover part is true that's really as far as it's gone other than that it was a nice hour yeah. been out of hand yeah uh, plans for a sequel uh, had, had already been made before the film was even in theatres just from the reaction in the screenings alone three sets of twins and a dummy were used to portray the baby I'm quite... seven babies yeah seems unnecessary I'm quite gutted that I can't use the little clip here of uh, him saying he's jacking his little weenus because 
there's so much music in the background of it. Real shame. Do you know the story behind that? I was... do. Yeah. Do you know it, TK? Go oh, on, we'll say it for people I'm listening. The, I'm listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Sean and Keenan should have said no then, really, for just the purpose of, <laughs> of things. That was just something that they kind of thought was funny while they were filming it, and they obviously had to get permission from the parents, and so the dad waited for the mum to go away to get a drink or something or whatever. She went away for some reason, and he told them, look, film this really quick before she comes back. <laughs> so she had no idea it happened until she saw the screening with her baby in the film, and Jack and his little weenus. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're now divorced. Uh, to see her face when that was happening. <laughs> Ed Helms, Zach Galifianakis, and Bradley Cooper were all casual acquaintances before the movie was filmed. So uh, Ed Helms said he thinks it helps because the way the film goes is they do kind of build up a rapport as it moves on. And obviously yeah. they've been stuck together filming for that long and they've seen the best and worst of each other. So they basically just had a friendship founded on really appreciation really appreciating each other's sense of humour and it, it went from there and developed as their characters did. That's a good point, to be fair. Yeah. Zach Galifianakis improvised the line, I didn't know they gave out rings at the Holocaust. <laughs> the initial line had him making a sexually inappropriate comment about Stu's mum. But Zach thought about the line for two reasons. He said he wanted to show that Alan was someone who knew almost nothing about the world and that if a successful joke that mentioned the Holocaust could be made, that would establish that the film was just going to be hilarious overall. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's, still... <laughs> it's reasonably, I mean, it's gone. The film's gone on a while before <laughs> he made yeah. that joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say we're about halfway through. Yeah, it's such, such a great line as well because it, it's not like it's a dark one about the Holocaust either. It's just kind of like, a, <laughs> like an innocent yeah. comment so would make if they actually not. <laughs> Uh, I think this is maybe the most documented story of the film that they went for all these big castings, they couldn't pull them off and so they were projecting they were going to make a massive loss here Todd Phillips says that he'll waive his usual salary if he, if he can receive part ownership of the film instead and then goes on, I think Keenan might have the figure makes some mental 80, amount 86, 86 million US 16 <laughs> 16 points 16 points they gave him on the film for those who don't know 16% of the of, of the net of the the net box office totals um, and I for, know they then had a delay for the second film because Todd Phillips insisted on renegotiating on behalf of everyone mm-hmm. yep it's also true uh, and anyone want to take a guess what he was due to be paid reportedly before oh um, this in my head, I have three hundred thousand. No, it is, it is more than that. It's it's, it's three mil. Seven, more than that, seven mil. Was it six six or seven mil? Was his was his fee? So you call it seven. In my head, I had sixteen mil, and then I thought that's a lot. <laughs> no, yeah, seven, well there. seven mil. Which think think about someone offering you seven million. You've I got to be know. well off at this point. Yeah, to, that's too exciting. I, I, I suppose at this point, he's done Starsky and Hutch. He's done old school. Did a couple. It's still seven million. seven mil. You've but got to have a lot like, of faith in yourself. Yeah. Our interview with David Dobkin, where he said the amount of money he turned down for wedding crashes two at times. Yeah. It probably oh. helped that he's done other films and is well off while turning that down. 
he did yeah he sort he sort of he did say he was okay yeah. but there were it's like he said he needed to keep he was okay but he needs to keep working and he said he said he, he would have retired didn't he gonna he say he, he could have been retired it. yeah <laughs> but i also find it strange that on that kind of thing like surely uh, well maybe surely dobkin doesn't own the rights to wedding crashes too so why didn't they get another director Surely it's not his script, or oh, he, he from when we spoke to him, he had a lot to do with it. Like, <laughs> he had a lot, a lot to do with it. He knew the guys who wrote the screen. He knew the guys who wrote the screenplay. He was the one who drafted in. Uh, he was the one who sort of insisted on Vince and Owen. Um, I guess it's not just him you need. It might be that Vince and Owen will only do the sequel if he's involved. If he's involved, or something. yeah, yeah. And it helps. It helps a lot. The only one that I've been able to see where you had a major sequel like that, where they've almost tried rushing it out and they've just said, "Fine, no matter, we'll just get someone else." Is American Pie Two is a different director to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they must have tried getting the first one out and thought, "Right, this isn't working." get someone else in while it's in everyone's consciousness and as time goes on maybe at first it would have worked to get someone else straight in if that's what they wanted to do for the cash grab after that you probably think well if we're going to make it we've only got one shot of this yeah you've got to get the band back together basically it must help as well having the thing on the poster because it wouldn't be on posters otherwise where they say from the producers of from the director of yeah so there must be a contingent of people out there that are paying attention to that more than what we would think. But we moved. Let's see. So Ken Jong's wife was um, battling breast cancer and undergoing chemotherapy while they were filming. And it goes by what we said about Bradley Cooper. So Bradley Cooper, being the, the charming bloke that he is, would ensure that Ken Jong didn't have to stay down while shooting. And so he would drive him back and forth so he could see his wife and film properly and I, I'm guessing he committed to it maybe before or she told him to get on carry on I'm not too sure but Ken Jong said he got me through the mo- he got me through the most difficult period of my life and after filming was uh, completed she was declared cancer free and he said uh, a huge amount of the stress was dedicated to Bradley Cooper for helping him out there jeez what so a guy was, I, I don't know where I don't know where he lives anyway, but I'm assuming it was a long trek for it to be kind of such a big thing for him to be going back and forth. So he's done well there. One of the other things, amusingly, uh, Alan is actually correct. Card counting is not illegal and is indeed only frowned upon. It says here we should work in teams. Who wants to be my spotter? I don't think you should be doing too much gambling tonight, Alan. Gambling? Who's anything about gambling? It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. Counting cards is a foolproof system. It's also illegal. It's not illegal. It's frowned upon, like masturbating on an airplane. I'm pretty sure that's illegal, too. Yeah, maybe after 9-11, where everybody gets so sensitive. Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. Either way, you got to be super smart to count cards, buddy, okay? Oh, really? It's not easy. Okay, well, maybe we should tell that to Rain Man because he practically bankrupt a casino and he was a retard. What? He was a retard. Casinos are not allowed to ban suspected counters, but what they will do is they'll rely on other internal countermeasures to stop them. Do you have any examples of those other measures? No. This is hangover trivia, not poker trivia. (laughs) Blackjack. 
Yeah. Oh, not... oh don't it? don't do it. I just said it. We're about to say are they not the same. He basically said it. Pretty they? much, yeah. Um, he's, uh, there's so many you, different types of poker like just on that app that we use there's about eight different types if you were trying to get 21 that does explain what you were doing when you oh, were playing poker yeah, <laughs> I, it makes me wonder how why you were trying to win uh, no. I've never played blackjack yeah, blackjack being 21 different types of poker that come to mind Hilo Omaha is technically a type of poker but it's played with four hole cards uh, horse uh, five three card, card poker. yeah three card poker Texas Hold'em gets me the top answer on Family Fortunes. Yeah, Texas Hold'em was. Texas Hold'em very, very popular now, but people like my dad's age who are in their 50s, he had to relearn to play poker because he was used to playing five-card poker. Does it go against it for you having a cool casino scene and it not being them playing poker? No, because I think, personally for me, it's not technically a casino, but I think poker scenes probably reach their pinnacle rounders. Uh, I'm playing craps. Yeah, that's nice. That's <laughs> good, good show. Um, but also for him, the whole point of him counting cards and being the idiot savant and being like Rain Man, um, it has to be blackjack. That was going to be my next question, but after I made a fool of myself in the first, I didn't want to ask a foolish question. The second, <laughs> yeah, so. in poker, in blackjack, you play with a continual deck, which is why you can count because the cards that have come off, you know what will be left. So if you use your system as six and above is alone is a plus one and seven and above is a minus one you keep count so and then when the when the count is neutral you should fear it we win um, i heard words there <laughs> so no that's it but the reason you need so many people is because it's difficult to keep count of and to sit and do and do it quickly but it's why you change and work in shifts and eventually you make money um i can lower the tone here a bit so uh Regarding the explicit shots in the final photo slideshow where Zach Galifianakis is seems to be receiving fellatio in an elevator, <laughs> he says he was more embarrassed than anyone else during the creation of the shot. He said, you would think that I wouldn't be the one who was embarrassed. I'm not sure why. He said he was extremely embarrassed. He didn't want it to be in there. He offered Todd's assistant a lot of money to convince him to take it out of the movie, but he refused, and so it made it in there. <laughs> also, just as a quick bit, also just quickly, if I'm wrong about counting cards, please leave a comment and let me know why I'm wrong. That's only from, that's only from quick. That's only from quick memory. Also, really weird how Todd Phillips likes to throw him throw a shot of him going down on someone in yeah. all of his films. <laughs> in the elevator, in this one, he jumps up quick in that tracksuit. <laughs> I also like that he wouldn't budge on what was an end credit credit scene. He still just would not budge. I don't care what money you offer; it's going in. In response to what Keenan said there, I don't really want to insult our audience, but judging by the comments we've had previously, that's the last thing they're going to comment about Keenan. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But if I if I am wrong, uh, if I if I am wrong, always happy. I to hope learn. they do. I hope we get a conversation here. Yeah, they're more likely to tell you they've not watched The Hangover, <laughs> which still baffles me. But hey, we appreciate the click anyway. And the first draft of the script, Bradley Cooper's character's name was Vic. If he thought the titles were bad, we, don't, we didn't need him being called Vic. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. So the original draft had Alan in a disastrous relationship, Stu being married with two daughters, and Vic being a wild party boy. <laughs> if people hadn't clocked before, the foul-mouthed band featuring near the end of the movie is the Dan Band, the same band from Frank's Wedding in the movie Old School 
and Vince Vaughn's daughter's bar mitzvah in Starsky and Hutch. So there you go. Nice little uh, yeah. thing we've got there with uh, Todd Phillips that Keenan said. Ken Jong improvised the nudity scene where he jumps out naked from the trunk. He was originally <laughs> meant to have clothes on and then he suggested to the directors and surprised them when he jumped out naked. So <laughs> how's that for a day at work seeing that jump out at you? <laughs> If you didn't know really that was coming, you'd be terrified. Well, he's got his legs wrapped around Bradley Cooper's head, so I don't know how they <laughs> filmed it. And they were so worried that once they filmed it, they obviously knew it was gold. And so Todd Phillips gave him a uh, waiver that he had to sign straight after filming it to sign in case he changed his mind and didn't want it in there. Good man. And the last bit of trivia. So according to Bradley Cooper, while he was giving a speech at the Toronto screening, he said... People in Las Vegas never even noticed that a movie was being filmed. He said <laughs> he said he was walking around with tiger scratching on his neck, all blooded, just in Bartha, as red as you can be, and nobody even Not bad double either. taked. No. Las <laughs> so, Vegas, baby. <laughs> Weirdly, I was about to say the same thing there, so I'm glad we didn't cross over. <laughs> One thing I was thinking of when I was when listening when then that, there's that quote i know we've got a quote section but i don't think it really gets into it it's just when the the guy says like some people just can't handle vegas and it reminds yep. me of when we're in sixth form and and there was a thing <laughs> where people weren't ready for town yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. such a similar thing because some people just weren't ready for it they weren't ready it's true <laughs> i'm not ready for vegas let me tell you <laughs> yeah. on to the judging criteria then so Rewatchability, I think this is an hour 40, maybe something along those lines. Pretty rewatchable, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's as rewatchable as, as any film in the bracket. Agreed. So it, it is bang on an hour 40. It's it, We probably give it the 10 minute leeway in terms of our 90 minute, what we usually say is ideal. It's straight in. I, I had a little chat with Keenan earlier and I was saying that it maybe makes a mockery of some other films where they feel they have to build the characters so much. And we, we've spoken about Jed Apatow comedies each week so far and how it can be 45 minutes before you're even getting into the comedy plot. Here you have each character having a little kind of like two minute scene. We've got Bradley Cooper taking everyone's school trip money and put it in an envelope. <laughs> you've got, you've got Stu being abused by his wife. Not to mention it's pathetic. Those places are filthy. And the worst part is, that little girl grinding and dry humping the fucking stage up there. That's somebody's That's daughter, somebody's up, daughter there. up there. I was just going to say that. See? I just wish your friends were as mature as you. They are mature, actually. You just have to get to know them better. Paging Dr. Faggot! Dr. Faggot! should go that's a good idea dr faggot and he just takes it you've got alan straight away from the start being measured up for the suit saying he's too close to his shaft and so within that first 10 minutes you you know all you need to know about those characters you know nothing more by the end of it about them that you would need than you need in that first 10 minutes and so it sets it up perfectly and you're straight in yeah that is spot on that's something Dolkin spoke to us about as well, wasn't it? Is that he wanted to get straight to it, didn't want yeah. to be messing about. 
and it, it works perfectly because for the first time around, maybe it's not an issue, but the second time around, when you want rewatchability, well, Harold and Kumar, you don't need to know no. everything about him. You know that he, he's he's the focused law student and then the other way around, yeah, then the, the law student, who, yeah. um, doctor student, sorry, who doesn't want to do it. And that's all you need. And instantly it's an hour and 20 something and that's all you need to know. So we don't need these big build-ups. And I say that as we've had the two hour, whatever, two hour 20 bridesmaids last week. <laughs> so we've got rewatchability. If we go on to the quotes then, we could be here a while with this. We could have an entire film with it. Who wants to kick us off? Sean, hit us with one. Well, one of the funniest ones is when, when in the morning when Alan goes, pants at a time like this. That <laughs> 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 really chuckles me. <laughs> I, it's so, not a it's not actually like a stand-up quote but watching it back just now the uh, the constant he was a bartender thing just kills me <laughs> 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 that, 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 and numerous people reiterate no no come on he was, he was a bartender <laughs> um, well he's like uh, and he didn't even come inside her yeah Yeah, because she's grossed out by semen um (laughs) again it's not one of the funniest ones but i do i actually love the speech as a whole but i just like i won't do it all but i I, the bit i like is four of us wolves wandering the desert together in las vegas looking for strippers and cocaine (laughs) i Um, like with that as much as him saying uh how about i drive in hello how about that ride in I guess that's why they call it Sin City. <laughs> you guys might not know this, but I consider myself a bit of a loner. I tend to think of myself as a one-man wolf pack. But when my sister brought Doug home, I knew he was one of my own. And my wolf pack, it grew by one. So where there two of there were two of us in the wolf pack, I was alone first in the pack. And then Doug joined in later. And six months ago, when Doug introduced me to you guys, I thought, wait a second, could it be? And now I know for sure, I just added two more guys to my wolf pack. <laughs> it's, the, it's the laugh that kills me. How about that drive-in? <laughs> oh, there's so many. Well, we've mentioned that she's got my grandmother's Holocaust ring. I didn't know they gave out rings at the Holocaust. Within that car journey alone where they're on the way to Vegas. I promise Sid, I will be the only one driving this car. Besides you drinking. Oh, what are you, a cop now? Come on, you know I drive great when I'm drunk. That's true, don't forget, Bill was always our designated drunk driver. <laughs> you wanna explain it to them, Alan? Guys, my dad loves this car more than he loves me, so yeah. Oh, whatever, look, I left my wife and kid at home so I can go with you guys to Vegas. You know how difficult that was? It's really sweet, Phil. Yeah. Dude, I was being sarcastic. I fucking hate my life. I may never go back. I might just stay in Vegas. Here we go. You know what, Doug? You should enjoy yourself because come Sunday, you're going to start dying. Just a little bit. Every day. Yeah. All right. That's why I managed to stay single this whole time, you know? Oh, really? That's why you're single? Yeah. Cool. No. Well, Alan says gambling. Who said anything about gambling? It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. Counting cards is a foolproof system. It's, it's not illegal. It's frowned upon like masturbating on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> maybe sure after 9-11 where everyone got so sensitive thanks a lot Bin Laden that <laughs> yeah, was one that's of the ones the, that's the topper but that's phenomenal uh, remember what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas except for herpes that shit will come back with you 
It's <laughs> good advice for life, that. We made some of these quotes really the did make it into the mainstream as well, didn't they? Yeah, oh, mate, definitely. Well, we mentioned the Caesar Palace one. Uh, you probably get this a lot. This isn't a real Caesar's Palace, is it? And that being the thing that carried on every time. We just mentioned the opening scene for Stu, where Melissa says, I just wish your friends were as mature as you. Because they are mature, actually. You just have to get to know them better. And then they're Paige and the Doctor just outside. <clears throat> yeah, I think he's done well. <laughs> it uh, tops it so- off that she then says to him, that's a good idea. It calls him by the same name. Yeah. She is just the worst as well, isn't it? <laughs> she, she, uh, she nails that character. Cold bitch. Yeah. Yeah, just, she, you just hate her. She's the type where you'll see afterwards where people do hold resentment towards the actress alone yeah, because yeah. of how dislikable she was in, in that film. If we're sharing said, beds, I'm bunking with Phil. Yeah, <laughs> that gets me every time as well. <laughs> Alan said, I'm not supposed right. to be within 200 feet of a school or a Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. You get a real feel for uh, Phil when they're in the uh, <laughs> in the thing where he's gonna. Can you put some pants on? I find it a little weird. I've had to ask twice. <laughs> and, then, and then we're gonna. Um, Stu's going to. We're not gonna leave a baby in the room. There's a fucking tiger in the bath. It's not our baby. <laughs> Even when he's walking out of school and he's like, "I do not know you. You do not exist to me." Uh, it's not a purse. It's a satchel. Besides, Indiana Jones has one. Uh, so does Joy Behar. That definitely. That definitely entered the fucking public memory. Yeah, that was uh, huge. As did arguably the most famous one of so long gay boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Toodaloo, motherfuckers in that <laughs> uh, I suppose <laughs> also, uh, where he, he, he wanks himself off, doesn't he? Well, if, um, if we say here, who do, who do you think in terms of, as we said, lines per laugh, Mr. Chow, you would assume is first. Mm. has very little lines and then Alan would be the consensus pick for second I think if we had ESPN draw up the stats on this one I think Phil runs in close well Alan so, big show yeah. mm. I, I, very different very different, it's types, different isn't it? type yeah. of comedy and type of sense yeah. of humour so I think you Alan's basically as Charles says it oh he's, it's funny because he's fat I know we had it <laughs> at the beginning but that is also one that stayed around, or maybe it just stayed around when people were talking about me. Um, <laughs> I think we'd have a point of contention with the stats as to what you count as a laugh, because Alan is the laugh out loud, whereas Phil is the kind yeah. of... Well, yeah, you, you, you're not the, the laugh where you nod your head alongside it to make it feel like it is more of a laugh. Not on the table, Carlos. <laughs> when Alan has the facilities to be able to mention the Holocaust and Bin Laden within the same thing, he, is, <laughs> he does have an advantage on people. <laughs> I mean, Another one I like is when uh, it's the wrong Doug scene, and then Alan is like impersonating Phil when he's like when Phil says, "Oh shit" or something, but then he says, "God darn it," and he just doesn't swear, yeah. him, and then he like walks around with him, kicks the sack. I could be your Doug. Be your Doug. <laughs> Even then, Alan's like his name's too. Haha, <laughs> classic mix-up. <laughs> like it's trivial. When Mister Chow jumps out the car, he says, uh, "Nobody's gonna fuck on you. I'm on your side. I hate Godzilla. I hate him too. I hate him." <laughs> yeah. He says, "This isn't your fault. I'll get you some pants." <laughs> uh, all right, you're up, Hanson. No, not you, Fat Jesus. <laughs> 
Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Fuck off. Uh, I'm thinking about getting my bartender's license. <laughs> Struck my day. Yeah. No, That's because we didn't go to Napa. Stu, what the fuck is going on? We went to Las Vegas. Oh, really? Las Vegas? Yep. Why would you go to Las Vegas? Because my best friend was getting married, and that's what guys do. Uh -huh, really? Okay, yeah. That's not what you do! Really? Well, then yes. why did I do it? Huh? Because I did it! Riddle me that! Why'd I do it? You know, sometimes I think all you want me to do is what you want me to do. Uh -huh. I'm sick of doing what you want me to do all the time. I think in a healthy relationship, sometimes a guy should be able to do what he wants to do. That is not how this works! Oh, good! Because whatever this is, ain't working for me! Oh, really? Yeah. Since when? Since you fucked that waiter on your cruise last June, boom! Tell me it was a bartender. Oh, you're right. I stand corrected. It was a bartender. You fucked a bartender. You're an idiot. You're a... You... Uh, you're such a bad person. Like, all the way through to your core. That, that whole argument at the end between them where Stu finally... Loses his Sounds head. Like, yeah. So good. And then Alan, Alan corrects him to say, I, th I thought it was a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> I married a whore. How dare you? She's a nice woman. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere I look on my screen, I just keep getting drawn back to his jacket and his little weenus, so I can't get away from it. <laughs> The, the Indiana yes. Jones says, quote, kind of stuck around, didn't it, as much as some of the others that we've said. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Alan, saying, I want you to know, Doug, I'm a steel trap. Whatever happens tonight, I will never, ever speak a word of it. <laughs> <laughs> so seriously, I don't care what happens. I don't care if we kill someone. <laughs> uh, I also like when we've got a set fire to the, to the police car. I'll do it. Just, just game straight away. <laughs> Like, <laughs> as much as he's loose and he's going to get you in a lot of trouble Alan got your back loyal yeah exactly I, I like it when Phil pats him on the back where he says uh, you hear that the baby's name is Tyler <laughs> you know I thought he looked more like a Carlos too bad but Alan <laughs> looks genuinely like gutted <laughs> one, one of the ones which I thought of was just kind of one of the, the Phil ones that kind of sets up for who he is where Stu says, why don't we remember a goddamn thing about last night? And he's like, obviously, because we had a great fucking time. <laughs> uh, in, the, in the hotel where Stu says he's going to propose, and Phil says, what the hell is that? It's like, That's what I think it is. It's a big fucking mistake. And Doug says, she's not that bad. He says, Doug, she beats him. He says, that was once, and I was out of line. <laughs> One of those things that you can't swap the roles around. Yeah, you really can't. <laughs> no, you cannot. Uh, I just like I will. I can give you it all if you like. But I also uh, Stu saying to Alan, "You are literally too stupid to insult." <laughs> I think he's he's actually a fantastic insult. <laughs> yeah. Phil's right when he says it's rock paper scissors. There's nothing more fair. Yeah, very yeah. true. But it's got to be all or nothing. No, it's best of three bullshit. Rule seventy-six. Rule seventy-six. No excuses. Play like a champion. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. have lost, though, Byron. I've been no. <laughs> no, you haven't, Sean. Yeah. Unbelievable. Does Brian Callan make the Rector Ryan Hall of Fame? Yep. Does Sean know who Brian Callan is? I hope so. No. That's cool. He's. 
a comedian who you would probably people would probably know you more if you said he's Joe Rogan's friend, but he yeah. plays the uh, guy who does the wedding. I don't. Can I get? Eddie, no. I'm, well, I'm not going to do the voice, but wait, his old this guy is the craziest no, fucking Eddie, guy the, ever met. Yeah. So I yeah. Sick people. Oh, no, I've, I've... <laughs> Look at these guys. What happened? You miss me? You miss Eddie? You want more from me? What? How are you, my friend? <laughs> Look at this guy. You fucking crazy. What's going on, man? Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. I know some sick people in my life. This guy is the craziest, wildest bastard I ever met in my life. Oh, this man. guy? This guy is out of his mind. What's going on, you fucking Whoa. crazy motherfucker? Right. Yeah. yeah, this guy is the craziest, hardest bastard I ever met in my life. Did wonder if Keenan was going to do the accent. Damn shame. Mm, I know. I, I I don't know if I can get away with it. I actually think I've got it in the locker. Maybe off camera. Maybe he slips out of that accent a few times. He <laughs> does during that scene as well. <laughs> he, he does. Um, but I I think I can more get away with it because he's a white guy doing the accent. So I mean, technically, excuse me, technically, I'm doing the impression of Brian Callum rather as opposed to someone who is of. Greek and Mediterranean heritage. I'm not going to stop you. Mm, I don't know. If you would have gone full, if you would have gone full hog with the paging doctor, dot dot dot, <laughs> I'd be more inclined. You already, You're in you it already, together, then. You've already shit out at once. You've already <laughs> shit out at once. So I don't. I don't want to drag the old shit down on my own. I feel like one's worse than the other. Yeah, yours would be. Yeah, yeah, yours would be worse. Yeah. Uh, can I find? If I can find the quote, I'll give you a go. I'll give you a go. Well, the, the two. The two. Uh, Policemen, men and women, their whole little interchange was it. I see like I see guys like you in every fucking day. Every, every fucking, fucking day. day. <laughs> <laughs> I Let's all go to Vegas that. and get really fucked up. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I like Not Bradley like Cooper's defence there, but if someone was alongside you doing that, you would be looking at what on earth are you doing yeah. here? <laughs> uh, Sean, I think that's just been skipped, but Actually, my favourite of the whole part is not up in here. Not up in here. <laughs> <laughs> I think Stu has no right to complain when they leave the police station. They did steal and burn a police car, and he's taken <laughs> one taser. Yeah, the burn the burning. By the way, Stu's request because it's got all the wedding memorabilia in the back <laughs> in the truck. In the yeah, bed. yeah, exactly. You can you just take stop. One you can just stop that. He's leaving saying it's police brutality. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can stop the car anywhere by any decent size throw it all in there. You don't live in Vegas. It's unlikely <laughs> that you're gonna get a comeback. It does not need to be torched. <laughs> no. Tear it up into little pieces, pour it in the bin, walk away from the car. Again, drama queen. in Vegas. So as long as you don't get arrested again, or you've never been arrested been arrested there before, fingers won't be on fire. Car gets fine. Sorry. No, no. Alan's saying driving drunk. Classic. <laughs> but they say Phil was always our designated drunk driver. <laughs> you know he drives <laughs> great drunk. <laughs> he says, uh, hey, I've left my wife and kid behind to come to this. Alan says, that's really nice. You shoot. like, are you kidding? I hate my life. I might never go back. <laughs> His wife plays such a minimal role in this entire thing. It's... It's like they've had to say he has a wife and kids, but there is really no need. She's a dime as well. When they show him uh, pick his kid up at the end, just to show the way that he he can switch it up, and he can go from being bachelor party fail to all of a sudden and say, "Oh, buddy, picking his kid up and having a little run around." 
That's Bradley Keeper coming dance. out in him. He's just too lovely. He can't stay like it the whole time. That's, I think it's a travesty that now he's been told, look, you are this sweetheart that can play this character because we could have had, he could have been like a Bond villain, I think. You could have got a Bond villain out of Bradley Cooper. Could he have ever come back from that then? Maybe because he does play such a good arsehole. Maybe if he yeah, had too many exactly. arsehole films, there's no get way back. Get that hair slicked back, so maybe eight shades on. Get him in maybe like a blue pinstripe suit and have him sat there in the chair letting other people do his bidding for him. He could be a great Bond villain. Stroking yeah. a pussy. Exactly. Do we have any more? Any oh, more? Phil, Phil's saying, don't you think it's strange you've been in a relationship for three years and you still have to lie about going to Vegas? He's like, yeah, I do, but trust me, it's just not worth the fight. And that's <laughs> when you then get the, she's grossed out by semen. <laughs> and she was wasted. That, <laughs> that's the clincher. <laughs> It's the fact that he's the one who has to justify it constantly. It's like, oh, come on. It's a bartender. It probably is one of them, though, the, the fact he stayed with her and he probably has ranted to his friends about when it happened. He does then have to defend it, so he is stuck in a predicament. But it's weird the way they phrase it, like, as if for some reason the fact that it's a bartender is better than if it was a trailer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't really I like know the... which one is better. But... <laughs> Alan says to him... Uh, Doug told me it was like they've been speaking like they've been speaking about it behind his back and they're really not ashamed to tell him about the fact that this is going on and how disgusted they all are that he is with her. <laughs> sure we've all been there though when your mate is with an awful burden you have to carry on putting up with them. That's yeah, exactly. We've all had that conversation with people. Yeah. That bird Sean used to be with. Yeah. That bird you all end up with. You'll end up with a bird like a. We'll be Not telling me. you. I'll <laughs> be, be Sean getting mothered. You'll be putting up with it. You'll say, look, it's just not worth the hassle. Right? I was <laughs> yeah. not looking for an argument with her. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Live and let live. That's my mantra. <laughs> yeah. As long as I don't know about it, it'll be your words. <laughs> <laughs> Go through the other categories. Best moment slash scene. I mean, the entire like morning after scene is iconic. That's, yeah, that's my one. Yeah. I like Alan sees the tiger and then he leaves and says there's a tiger in the bathroom and Phil doesn't believe him, goes in. <laughs> and he's, he's cracking up as he leaves. Yeah. Phil, do not go in the bathroom. Al, just calm down. Phil, there is a tiger in the bathroom. What's going on? There's a jungle cat in the bathroom. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, check, I'll, I'll check it out. Don't go in, don't go in. Be careful, don't, don't. <laughs> Oh, hey, 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 fuck, he's not kidding, there's a tiger in there. <laughs> That's a sign you're still feeling the effects that you're laughing about that. But he, he said the there's end. a tiger. He said there's a big cat in there. Yeah. He said something along the lines. <laughs> there's a jungle cat or something, isn't it? <laughs> That's a jungle cat. <laughs> like, like when, he, when he says what, he's... Like he thinks he has to rephrase it. It's not that the guy's shocked there's a tiger in the bathroom. He's, oh, he's obviously not understood tiger, so I'm going to have to say something else. That's when he peppers, because I know it's a later scene, when he peppers the steak as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says, tigers love pepper, they hate cinnamon. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I hope that is true. One of the, the things for me, for 
best moments slash scene and it ties into the soundtrack. But for me, it absolutely is every time when uh, Can't Tell You Nothing by Kanye kicks in just as they're heading into Vegas. Hype, isn't it? You're getting yeah. hyped to that point. Even that all live your life. Both of both of them. Yeah, yeah, it, perfect. It's just, perfect timing. I now associate them with Vegas without ever having been, without getting any closer than I've seen Swingers of the Hangover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, it still does give you the feel like you are genuinely going off to Vegas. (laughs) Unbelievable. It's it's their version of the Pursuit of Happiness Project XC. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I guess it is intended to be the peak for them before it goes downhill. Yeah, it does accurately reflect where the characters are going to be at, doesn't it? They're all going to be getting hyped towards the peak and the the decline is going to come in very quickly. I like that Stu says, may this be just a small bump in the road of an otherwise successful marriage because it, it always cracks me up where you see the people who probably aren't having the most wild nights out and speaking about it like it is the biggest, most flash thing in the world. And he obviously is doing that exact thing where he thinks he is just having a quiet night out, but the fact he's in Vegas is a <laughs> massive thing. And they're just doing their like lads night out thing like it's gonna get a messy here. <laughs> Let this just be a small hitch. What what would be your uh, favourite scene, Keenan? Can I give can I say the end credits? Is that does that count yeah. as a scene? Yeah. yeah, that was in my uh, that was in my list. I think that's there's a lot of examples, or there's a few examples. Um Sorry, the films we've covered, but in general, of things that do end credits quite well. But this is phenomenal. Yeah. Like after, it's it's like it's like an encore basically. You've enjoyed the film, or you've enjoyed like, you go and see someone, you've enjoyed the concert, and then they bring them back out, and then he does his top, then they do their top three hits. Yeah, it's it's unreal. And it's genuinely uh, part of the film. I remember going to see the second one, and people looking forward to seeing what they were going to do with the end credits. Even. Yeah, so it was an extension. No, you used to get it with it whenever there was a Marvel film and someone would walk out once the credits have started before they've had the credit scenes and there would be a look Jones of discontent special. from like everyone in the cinema towards them. <laughs> <laughs> do they not know there's a scene coming? <laughs> Who do you think Those is the best side character? No, that is true. They do kind of in the Marvel ones if you know what you're looking at. But... No, not one of them. I say this based on the... Uh... He does the things you don't see. <laughs> that's the equivalent. It's not, because they usually tease the next film that's going to come out. Mine is literally entirely based on stage for one, where they showed that cartoon Spider-Man thing at the end of it. Is oh, that yeah, it that was bad. That was after was... Venom. I was confused as fuck. Probably that probably, that was probably my only real experience of this, so I've got a 100% miss record, really. And... Uh... Deadpool 2. But they make you stay around to say and just laugh that you stayed around. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And that's it. Who, who would you say is the best side character? I'm assuming Mike Tyson. You're not counting Shao as a side character then? That's a very good point, yeah. I knew there was an obvious one. Yeah, I was thinking this morning, and then I thought Mike Tyson was a cameo. Is he in the Rex Ryan? 
Eddie Eddie would have been my other shower as a side character. Do we have two Rex Ryan inductees from this film? Um, Is Mike Tyson in too much for that? You got to think they have that whole scene when they go back to his house. Yeah, it's true. He's coming so far, I've literally been a scene. I don't know, because we had... Probably when you put the runtime of it, it probably matches up with some of the other ones we've had, like Bob Barker and that kind of thing. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon we could probably make the case. Charles in it a bit as well, isn't he? I think Charles in it a bit too long. He wasn't what I was saying for the other... No, he's he's so good. Not for the cameo. Brian Callan. As Eddie. Eddie. Oh, right, okay. Oh, I didn't really know he was... Uh, I was going to say, is, is yeah. Brian Callum famous enough? Yeah. I don't think he's famous enough for that. I Probably think more famous. so after the fact. Is he someone you see and it kind of... you got to think, Byron, we can't see the wood for the trees because we live in a world where Joe Rogan and Shaw and that are a big deal. To a lot of people, that's not. I get that, but I think his character is still someone where even if you have kind of the slightest idea of who he is, you are looking at him like that's Brian Callan. Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't know. after the event, it was Brian Callan, wasn't it? I wouldn't go to war for it, but I do think... I know Brian Callan is more than Bob Barker. That's because you got no respect. Yeah, yeah, you Bob Barker's very... You weren't watching... Sure. As you say, Bob Barker is very much an American, yeah, celebrity. Bob Barker's a bit. Bob Barker's a bit like Ant and Deck. Do you know what I mean? I say, Brian, I'm not saying that I was watching him. I'm saying I've got respect for the uh, <laughs> respect the CV. I think that kind of what the, the other categories will come back to for when we do uh, the judgment. So if we go on to Shaun of the Dead, then and I think we have mixed opinions between. Uh, the four of us here, but the synopsis, a man's uneventful life is disrupted by the zombie apocalypse. So if you thought the bridesmaid one was low key, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that sounds straight to DVD material. That Exactly. Um, critics reviews. So it's nice to see a film. <clears throat> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to see a film where the writing is so immediately brilliant that a certain part of you relaxes. The important thing is that Wright and Peg don't lose sight of their characters. We laugh with them, not at them. Yep. Wright's style is pure cartoon aesthetic. All quick cuts, sharp points of focus, the precise merging of sound with a cut or pan, and the crowd-pleasing use of pop tunes. Despite the emphasis on humour, Sean shows it's a zombie movie with credentials, some impressively gory special effects makeup, and a willingness to dispatch cast members in exceptionally gruesome fashion. <laughs> some scenes are too talky, too much like a sitcom, but whenever that threatens to sink the film, the zombies appear and save the day, if you know what I mean. The movie bogs down and the humour seems to dry up, though the blood continues to well spurt and spew. Pedestrian direction and script sap what anarchic fun this movie could have been. Shaun of the Dead is not only one of the single best zombie movies ever made, but it's also as close to perfect as a film can get. Blimey. And finally, oh sorry, Tula. Even when in danger of self-destructing, 
It catches laughs with smart lines, silly observations, or blokish inside jokes about zombie movies, video games, and pub nibbles. And then The Office meets Annie Hall meets Night of the Living Dead. There you go. It, it was largely... Well, it's probably doubly more positive than the Hangover ones there, so... Trivia. Uh, when asked by an interviewer why they chose to have slow-moving zombies instead of running zombies, Simon Pegg simply replied, because death is not an energy drink. Still not really worked that one out, like the movie-film comparison. Trying to be a bit arty there, isn't he? <laughs> Sean tells Liz that he's going to take her to the place that does all the fish. When he opens the phone book, you can see that the restaurant is literally called The Place That Does All The Fish. (laughs) (laughs) Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright considered a sequel that would replace zombies with another monster, but decided against it as they were pleased with the movie as a standalone product, and that too many characters had died to continue the story. The proposed title was From Dusk Till Sean. (laughs) I actually like that. I like the title. (laughs) just when Sean is exiting the corner shop, which is tuned to a radio station playing songs from Indian movies, the song stops and a newscast begins speaking in Hindi. The content of the news when translated to English is, people are waking up from their graves. Sheesh. Sheesh. John and Bernie run the Winchester in the film, and these are the real names of the landlords and landlady who used to run Simon Pegg's local pub. They would make toasted sandwiches for the regulars, and him and Nick Frost were regular attendees of the Thursday night quiz, which is why they say that through the letterbox of the Winchester's door. That's lovely. Nick Frost allegedly kept his genitals shaved throughout the production to create a genuine need to scratch that the character demanded. <laughs> what? <laughs> like you couldn't just pretend to scratch it. That's method, though, boys. That's method. Yep. Uh, it cost four million to make and grossed thirty million worldwide. Not bad. Quentin Tarantino dubbed this as one of the top twenty movies made since nineteen ninety-two. Very specific. Yeah. <laughs> Near the beginning of the movie, when Ed is playing on the PlayStation Two, Sean directs him top left, reload, good shot, etc. When the gang are in the Winchester and they're firing the zombies, Ed repeats exactly what Sean instructed him to do while playing Time Splitters Two. The garden scenes were originally a lot longer, featuring a hanged man zombie and a woman being eaten by her own dog. Jeez. <laughs> when Sean and the group are running out of Liz's flat, they're all carrying weapons of some kind, but only Sean hits any zombies. That's because only the cricket bat that Sean was carrying was a padded fake, and all the other items are real, and so they would have hurt the extras playing the zombies if they'd been hit with them. Uh, I was uh, thinking earlier that... Uh... Going, just going back to Hale quickly, that crowbar scene where Chow gets out of the bus. Yeah. Like, seriously <laughs> damaged <laughs> They kind of laugh it off as well. Yeah. Especially the shot to um, like the liver. That kills Enrique Iglesias in Hero. He only gets his punch there. <laughs> One of the all-time videos, that. Yeah. Would you dance if I asked you to dance, Redder? Thought you got to consider? <laughs> I would. Thank you. Well, there's no chance of you running, is there? No. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I thought it's waste these days. <laughs> I thought of it. I thought of it, and I liked it, so it got to come out. Although sporadically hinted at, the cause of the zombie invasion is never properly explained. 
whenever people are about to, they get interrupted by something. The non-featured zombie extras were paid the pricely sum of £1 a day for their troubles. You've got to call it voluntary work at that point, haven't you? Yeah. Just scrap any money. Uh, Simon Pegg turned down a role in Dog Soldiers to do this film. David Williams auditioned for the role of David. Thank Christ he didn't get it. <laughs> uh, when this, Sean is on the floor... Uh, I was going to say, is this, this is after Little Britain, right? Little Britain's already a thing when Sean O'Dead comes up. 2004 this is, but That's, I can't remember when Little Britain was. I would, I would have said like 06 for Little Britain. Oh, okay. Yeah, you might, yeah, might I would be right. I'd I'd, I, had, I, had, I had 2003 in my head for some reason. But you I may well be right. I didn't right. watch. I didn't watch it either way. So no, I didn't really. But just something I do remember. Two thousand and three. You looked on IMDb, didn't you? No. You sound like a smart Alec, Mister well, Smart Alec. Promise you. You know. You know my knowledge is normally up there. Not for uh, what's his name earlier. Thomas Aiden Church. <laughs> oh, it's there now. I remember it. it now. I, had, I couldn't I had, remember it after I eleven John years. David you forgot it. You've got it closer to eleven minutes. I had John <laughs> David Hayden in my head. So. There we go. Uh, when Sean's on the phone with his mum, Barbara, Ed yells, we're coming to get you, Barbara, which is a reference to classic horror movie lines set in the original Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara, and there's one now. In the beginning, when Sean's riding the bus, the young man in front of him is listening to music. The song that can be heard is Kerncraft 400 by Zombie Nation. I didn't put two and two together because I was quite enjoying the song playing when I watched it back, but Good little tidbit there. Excellent. Uh, according to the DVD commentary, when Ed attempts to cheer Sean up at the Winchester with plans of binge drinking, he's actually summarising the events that will take place the next day. Entirely in drinking references, he says, Bloody Mary, which references the checkout girl in the back garden, <laughs> a, a bite at the king's head, which is Philip, uh, a couple, David and Di, little princess Liz, stagger back, impersonate the zombies, Bar for shots, firing the rifle at the Winchester. That's interesting. I've, I've never yeah. considered that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's I tip, little... I tip my metaphorical hat. There's a couple of things there. So when he is ranting at Ed for keeping him awake with his electro music, he says, uh, "You want to live like an animal? Go live in the shed." <laughs> at the end of the film, Ed is chained up as yeah. a zombie, living in Sean's shed. <laughs> And when Diane tells David that she knows they're only together because Liz rejected him in college and she was there to pick up the pieces, she's foreshadowing what happens later when she is quite literally picking up pieces of David. <laughs> so there you go. That is tragic, that moment, when she's like, look, I know I was just there to pick up the pieces. Like, that is just grim. <laughs> what is not she even, doing as well? Like, like, not even like David's like a good-looking yeah. bloke that she's latched onto. It's just... Uh... So the My thing with him... Out, all of his guts are out, like his legs are out. <laughs> like, what? I that forgot that. Super Complete selfish. Caught me, on both that caught me off guard. Shook you up a bit. And also, we are supposed to hate him. He is actually the most logical person in the film. Go on. Yeah. What, for like wanting to shoot his mum? Well, wanted to shoot the mum, wanted to stay in the flat high up where they were safe. Yeah, why they left not, the flat is ridiculous. And not to go to the Winchester. He has a go saying, you've come here for no real reason. Him saying about leading them away and what if they just come back round for him, smashing the window because he's like, like every man for themselves at this point. Yeah, smashing the window, that's where he loses it for me. See, once yeah. you've done that, it's like, right, you've lost your argument. You can't. Yeah, but he's lost, his head. he's lost his head at that point. Isn't he? <laughs> he's, his relationship's probably on the way out 
regardless. He's been seen as a complete arsehole because he's trying to shoot shoot your one's mum. So he's, he's probably not thinking right. But up until that point, he makes a lot of, lot of sound choices. Couldn't really not see her as Dawn from the office either. Well, there you are. I'm pretty sure two out of four of us haven't seen the office. If I'm right, the Keenan hasn't seen it either. I've seen every single episode. I was going to say, that would surprise me. I hate it. There we go. Wow. All right, I knew, I knew oh, there okay. was something there. I say that I still don't well I like The Office and his podcast so although he, his Twitter does irritate me so maybe I still don't like him I just like his characters no don't don't deny his talent but it doesn't mean I have to like it no even on the podcast I think he can kind of come across as dislikable I think he's just <laughs> got the perfect he's just got the perfect foils with it <laughs> Yeah, Stephen Merchant, the goat. Yeah. Cardiff have pulled one back as well, so there you go. Thriller in the championship. Let's uh, go. They're 1-0 up, seven minutes in, so 2-1 oh, aggregate. Yeah. Rewatchability then. So this one is an hour and 50, if I'm not mistaken. Or is it an so hour 40? feel like a long one, though? I think yeah. it might be an hour 40, actually. I think they might be bang on the exact same. Yeah, it feels time. pretty quick. Yeah. I think one hour thirty nine. It's a minute shorter than the Hangover. <laughs> feels it feels feels longer. It felt longer to me, but I admit you. I mean, we we can say now. Oh, it's uh, full of my score already. I'm I'm not a fan of the film. It actually got worse for me the second on this rewatch. Oh, I thought it was going to be funnier. But it may say, also be. I have to stand with Byron on this one. It's wow. essentially, we've seen ones where we've heard about one joke films. It's essentially one joke of we're British, we love a pints. And people just lap it up. <laughs> I laughed during I the film. I was going to say, I don't I, think that's the entire premise. But I mean, with, with the other films where they call it a one joke film, it's not quite literally, but it is all kind of centred around we're British, we love a pints. And that's why it the amount of people that still say whenever there's any kind of incident in the world, <laughs> let's go to the Winchester and wait for this all to blow over. Like it's the yeah. first time anyone's ever heard this said. No, 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 wait, we can't bring him back here. Why not? Well, it's not exactly safe, is it? Mm, yeah. Good state of it. Where's safe? Where's familiar? Where can I smoke? Go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy! I would not be disputing that that is very overused. I wouldn't. I will hold my hands up. However, these two did a video at the start of COVID-19 about not going to the Winchester. Uh, <laughs> about staying away from the Winchester yeah, that was yeah. Good. Yeah. and I will say I actually thought that was very good not for me <laughs> I prefer this to Hot Fuzz so hopefully none of you picked that for your I think... film that you annoyed didn't make it into the bracket and I don't have to I know what you mean it. as such because I on second viewing I haven't watched it in a long time probably when I was last watching IQ2 um, yeah. but I did it wasn't as good as I remember when I first watched it. I think it was it was such a big film, particularly obviously in England and in Britain. It was such a massive film when it first 
came out as like you've got to watch this as a comedy. But yeah, I still enjoyed it. I'm I'm not on the point of viewing from Keenan in terms of not liking it, but it wasn't as good as I remember when I first watched it. I guess the the key standout for it is that it is different. It is different to your standard horror comedy in that there is a bit more thought into it than just being pure slapstick humour. Like the writing is very good. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I think I don't really know how to explain because I mean I've I said about the one joke thing, obviously that's an exaggeration, but there isn't really one thing I can point out at me really disliking. I think it's just that I don't love any of the individual elements of it as much as I do with so many other comedies that we've covered. You don't like British films. Let's call it no. what it is. No. You don't like I mean, uh, you don't like British comedy if you're honest. But then I do Peep Show is my favourite mm. TV show. True. That is why he voted Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it, I assure you. <laughs> But then the, the films of like the least that we've done so far in the bracket, probably this would be up there. Bruce Almighty's at the bottom for me. I, I wish I could have that time back. Other <laughs> <laughs> than that, this, on Bruce Almighty, this probably would scene. be up there. You've always you've always disliked these films, though. So yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I, are... I do think it's a very good film. I think some, I think Sean may be about to say some people have overhyped it. No, I wasn't going to say that. I, I was, I was going to say that, as in, mate, with this one slightly, but I think it's mainly with Hot Fuzz. Some people are really like passionate and really say that it's no, this is one of the best films ever. It's so funny. Like, how can you not find this funny? Because some people are really passionate about like being one of them. Yeah. Strangely, if you'd have asked me this probably nine months ago I probably I would maybe have given you a positive review of the film because I hadn't seen it so long but I, I've definitely watched it twice in the last nine months and I watched it again in its entirety like there there, there, there are scenes in it that I could watch quite happily seen closer to being singular but um, now like watching it again for, for the rewatch for the pod it just just felt long very, very fat in the middle would be my point I disagree there because I didn't think it dragged too much of me. I thought it felt longer than The Hangover. But I guess it is a different type of film because when you have a zombie film, you can't just have it like level 30 of Nazi zombies and have nothing in between because you do have to have some space for the comedy to exist other than being zombie-related humour, which is probably one of the things that works well for it that not every joke is a punchline about zombies. I would, at the same time, it just means that you're kind of boxed in. You can't have so many different varieties that you can have with The Hangover, where you can have the casino, you can have the road trip, you can have... There's just so many more avenues to go down. I would say with this film as, as well, I think it's not. it doesn't work as well on rewatch because some of the things like... For example, we're kind of I'm kind of going into quotes here, but like for the Cornetto thing, for example, the first time I saw that, I thought that was funny. The idea that first thing in the morning someone's asking for a Cornetto from the shop, but that is literally the first time you hear it. It's going to be funny. After that, it's I'm struggling. Yeah. yeah. The first time I hear it repeated, you've got red on you. That's quite funny. You know, as we've done with previous films, where a repeated joke is yeah. an interesting front line. But then 
once you've seen it a few too many times, it's like, okay, I know he's about to say you've got red on you and stuff. So I will, as much as I do enjoy the film, I will concede in terms of watching it again. I think that's where it suffers. Me, me saying that I dislike it as well is also in comparison to the other films we've done. It's all relative, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think it's like terrible. A, and, a terrible film. Yeah. If it was this or some other atrocities that I've seen, it, it would be. Look, it would we know be this. We know there's a high standard to get into our bracket. We know this. Yeah. Know, not easy to get in here. Exactly. Should we go on to? So we said about the the runtime there. And in terms of quotes, then, do you want to kick us off, TK? Yeah. You've done two um, there, but if you give us another. Yeah, yeah. It's um, a failed actress and a twat. I did not call Diana a failed actress. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make me laugh. <laughs> Sean said, as Mr. Sloan always says, there's no iron team, but there is an iron pie. There's an iron meat pie, and a ground meat is team. Don't really know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> You got a little Rafe Spall cameo in there as well. Yeah, looking young. Looking chubby. Yeah, not looking... Was he supposed to be 17? He's not looking yeah. quite like that. He's <laughs> he's not, quite, not 17. He's 17 <laughs> and Simon Pegg's supposed to be, is it like 28 or something? I was thinking. 29, he says. 29, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking neither of you are. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, like, I like the one where they're in the flat where he's like, I'm not a chartered accountant. Wow, well, you look like one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he does look like a chartered accountant. <laughs> Sean saying, as Bertrand Russell once said, the only thing that will redeem mankind is cooperation. I think we can all appreciate the relevance of that, man. <laughs> Was that on a beer mat? Yep. Guinness extra cold. <laughs> but him saying, uh, go to mum's, kill Phil, sorry. Grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, wait for this all to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Was apparently a private joke between uh, director and uh, Simon Pegg. I'm glad they got something in there. <laughs> when, they, when they're at the house and he's like, how much do you love Philip? And then they're having a conversation about it. Like, he told you that, did he? Motherfucker. And then he tries claiming he touched him. And then <laughs> immediately he's like, that was a lie, shouldn't have said it. <laughs> the, the thing with him creeping up behind and saying sorry where he turns out to be asleep is one of those punchlines where you know it's coming but you do still laugh. Yeah, yeah. Well, you agreed. know he's not going to be dead with the way that it's being built up, but it still works. Um, I laughed at uh, Sean saying, "Feel free to step in any time." You did all right and do so. I didn't want to cramp your style. David had the right <laughs> idea. Look, it's not his mum. You don't need to get involved there until obviously the end where he does get involved. Ed, Ed really is an awful person in this as well. Sorry. Yeah, it really is. As you say, a bit on. With the phone call, I can't remember exactly which order it is, but where it's um, Sean and then it's like, police, they're busy. Uh, ambulance, yeah. <laughs> fire engine. It's all one number and they're all busy. <laughs> <laughs> so you just want some flashing lights. Ed's saying, well, your mum rang about you going around tomorrow night and then Liz rang about the two of you eating out tonight and then your mum rang back to see if I wanted to eat her out tonight. That Ed gave me Adrian Lewis vibes. Poor Sean was going to carry on there. No, I was um, saying that, that line where it's like, and then your mum rang about me. Yeah. <laughs> you are that. right about... That again tonight and that. You are right about Ed being an awful bloke when he just does that phone call outside the pub like on the phone to Noodle. And then Sean just starts having a go at him. It's like, I actually, you, you do actually feel frustrated at that point. You're like, just get in that fucking pub. 
He doesn't help out any of the times when he's nearly being killed by a zombie either. He does shoot the gun though. He says, I fucking knew it. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> okay, but dogs can look up. Was a... Yeah. So I was going around telling people that dogs couldn't look up. I remember when I was that age. Just I remember after I watching dogs, it. Looking up. After watching it, I remember looking at my dog and thinking, does. Can he look up? <laughs> yes. Sean saying, uh, he sells a bit of weed every now and then, you know, you've sold puff. And he said, yeah, once at college, to you. Reminded me of in between us and calling it puff. <laughs> Past the puff. Just like a little split. Go on, Keenan. Um... <laughs> oh, I thought you started speaking. No, 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 it wasn't that. No. It was TK, mate. Uh, I'm Ed just trying saying... to see if there's one I can give you that I like. I quite like the scene in the pub it gives a little rundown of the character about John being but uh, his missus being the trophy wife and him being a, an, a, on the run from the East End gangster and he's like the pub's <laughs> called the Winchester he said there's a rifle above the bar the pub's called the Winchester yeah exactly <laughs> Ed saying uh, look at me can I say one more thing I'm not going to say you know there's plenty more fish in the sea I'm not going to say if you love her let her go I'm not going to bombard you with cliche with cliches but we'll say is this not the end of the world <laughs> <laughs> especially in the context that it is the end of the world as well just extra development in there yeah to make you feel for him all at one point um when he's in the base when he's in the ba- uh, when he's in the basement and he's having his breakdown he says this says you should do me i'll muck it up if i have to do myself and he says i don't think i've got it in me to shoot my, my flatmate my mum and my girlfriend all in the same evening <laughs> like they do they do well for sure like for such I won't go into it because I feel, feel like I'll be here for a long time telling you what, what I dislike about this film. But for <laughs> essentially, for essentially, I, I can feel he does really dislike. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you all seem to enjoy it, so I'll just let like it's it's nice to listen to. It's nice for, rather listen to positive voices than the <laughs> moan. Um, just the the one, and it's not a quote, but just like a, a funny scene is is that short bit where they walk past the other group, which is like there's there's a corresponding character to all of them yeah and then the cameos in that as well like Matt yeah in it and Martin Freeman's there Martin Freeman yep. yeah and then um, there's that there's a who's the, the brown haired woman what's she in the one that she's in, in the space didn't she they worked together I'm sure they were in space together that's it yeah 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 that's the one how um, you do? how you doing I'm surviving yeah David's saying basically I'd say your nine lives are up Sean it's who get fucked for eyes, and then he gets with the. Why don't you go out with her if you love her so much? <laughs> but I'm sure it's in between him. Where he says, "If you love her so much, why don't you marry him?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gets me every time as well. So perfect, perfect works there. Oh, he says, "What do you mean by that?" He's like, I, I don't know what he meant by that. And then uh, he ends up dying about two minutes later. <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop doing it when you stop laughing. Is another one. Come on, it was pretty funny. Will you do what I said? I ain't doing nothing for him. What? Do it for me then. I'm sorry, Sean. It's all right. No, no. I'm sorry, Sean. Oh! Oh my god, that's rotten! I'll stop doing them when you stop laughing. I am not laughing, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I can I'm imagine sorry. you just some rotten ones. I wouldn't be laughing. 
he's got that look about him. It's like when you get, you give Sean the first one, then you laugh, and the second one, it's all right. This isn't funny <laughs> anymore. <laughs> you are not one to talk. I am. I've never made my mum spew up. <laughs> That's a true story, by the way, Keenan. I don't need to hear anymore. <laughs> Sean's mum walked in on a hangover after Sean had been uh, dropping his guts all evening, and she spewed. <laughs> it was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> a particularly heavy night my, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it was a particularly heavy smell in that room as well <laughs> any more for any more before we move on we'll move on what do you think then is the best moment slash scene um, I've got my ones where, when they're in the pub and then the jukebox is playing that's my yep. favourite don't stop me now kill the queen yeah can't stop me now yeah I yeah, think kill- the killing of Mary uh, I also do like actually just as a quote is when he just when Queen comes on and he just shouts who, put, who the fuck put this on he goes it's on random <laughs> just, it just does make me laugh but yeah I think everyone has been in a pub and you're just some absolute shite with someone you're like what the fuck is this <laughs> it's not a big scene but one that does get overlooked is the fact that when they're at the thing to kill Phil so he wants to drive that jack so much that he writes off the car yeah. that he's in to be able to drive this jack. Outrageous. That killing a Mary, the, the big bloke zombie as well, he looks just like one of the bloaters off The Last of Us, which are horrifying. But he looks like he a spitting image, so I don't know if <laughs> one was based on the other. There you go. Bit of a... Something I've noticed. Best side character. What? Oh, I... I don't know if you count him as a side character, but I would possibly give it to David. I'd say Liz, Nick Frost, and Nick, yeah, Frost and Sean. I just can't remember. Ed and Sean, sorry, would probably be your, your top three. And I'd possibly go David. It's a nice foil. As like as though it's a little bit over the top and it's a little bit camp, but that's just just the bloke who plays him. To be fair, the Irish fella, but. It could have been David Williams, so if you want to come, yeah. No, it's just true. He does, 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 does play it. He does play it reasonably camp um, and feminine. It's quite a nice foil to the other two books that you'll spend the film with. Good shout, good shout. I'll always like Bill Nye. To be fair, he's he's normally half decent value. That Philip is a quintessential old bloke. Well, when he yeah. goes there and he's like, it's just a bunch of drunk idiots running riots. Like, yeah, that's what it is. Everyone's just drunk. What? <laughs> It's hard to do. There isn't really much outside of the ones we've mentioned, is there? Because everyone else is a zombie. <laughs> um, I think. All right, if we go on to the judging then. So, I mean, judging by, I thought I could be bad. Judging by Keenan's takes there, I'll probably go to him last for each pick. Because I feel I could know which way it's going. So, start off with. TK, we'll go to you first. Which did you prefer? Yeah, I did prefer The Hangover. So I, I like Shaun of the Dead, but I think it's a, a different level of film, I think. Shaun? Uh, yeah, hang, Hangover. Hangover. Keenan, do I need to ask? No. No, it's The Hangover. Just so I've actually said it. I'm agreed there too. Uh, rewatchability. Any different? Yeah, as we as we kind of touched on, um, I think Hangover is very much more rewatchable. You can still laugh, you can still get hyped to go to Vegas, all that kind of thing still works its favour. Whereas a lot of Shaun of the Dead is 
as I said, a lot of the jokes are kind of funny first time you watch it and, and haven't aged too well. So, yeah, hangover for me. Any different yeah. for you, TK? No, no, I'm in agreement. I will say, though, for uh, the hangover for rewatchability, you said about with other things in the bracket. Well, I agree it's as rewatchable as anything. I would actively choose to have like periods where I don't watch it to get myself yeah, more get hyped you. when I do watch yeah, it. Yeah. Whereas something like, like you said, Harold and Kumar, something like that, I could easily switch on any given night of the week and watch it. Whereas Hangover, I would make a concerted effort to yeah. have a space without it, which does affect the rewatchability thing yeah. going into it. I do, I do want to just make sure it is clear here that as much as I have expressed that I don't think it's on the same level, I'm not completely writing off Shaun of the Dead because when you look at the poll that I put up for this one, I think it ran for a week, and it ended up uh, 52-48 in yeah. favour of The Hangover, but it does show that people really do love Shaun of the Dead. My brother and his missus, when I told them that I prefer The Hangover, they were outraged, which I yeah, thought was yeah. strange because I thought it would be a whitewash. As, uh, as Sean said, the fans that are big fans of it are very protective of it. Yeah. Uh, most quotable. I think this one, even the Sean that's biggest fan would probably concede this one. <laughs> yeah. Even um, though it has got well, some decent quotes itself, Hangover's just riddled with them. We had uh, Pig Boach, who was on the Standard <laughs> Podcast. He claims Sean of the Dead's more quotable, so there you go. Interesting. What? And then persisted it, it, to send me about a thousand voice notes of him <laughs> quoting them. It does It does have some good quotes in there, but however, like I said, we could have almost done the whole film. Well, th- this one might be a bit more even then. So what do you think is the best quote across both films? The best quote for me is, I didn't know they gave out rings at the holiday. Yeah, I, I think that's... And I, I think, think that's the same for me. Far and away, the best one. It's one from that hangover for me, but I don't think it's that one. I'm, I don't really. I was laughing really at all of them. Keenan, what, what do you think is your favourite one across both? Um, it's a very good question. It will be from the hangover, but what I would like to choose. Um, Two seconds. I, I, I'm actually not sure because I do. How do you think the one I laugh at the most each time is when Alan says, uh, "If we're sharing beds, I'm bunking with Phil. You cool with that?" <laughs> and it does play in that Bradley Cooper's face does look like one of pure disgust, <laughs> and you kind of do it anyway. But something else that we had from the David Dobkin interview where he was saying about Jackie Chan's facial reactions would add so much to a scene yeah some of bradley cooper's in this when i was watching for them on, on yeah, Monday, yeah are, are, are golden because definitely. like where they have where they say a manager is like kicking every ball on the touchline he is really like riding even like the most quotables that aren't he doesn't even have a line to be connected with he still is feeling every, every single line of it yeah agreed I was considering thanks a lot, Bin Laden, but I think I will <laughs> give it to I'm not supposed to be within 200 feet of a school or a Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> but on the basis of the whole thing where Alan, that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Phil gets in the car and he's like, oh, who's this? And he's like, yeah, my name's Alan, Alan Garner. We've, we've met each other like four times now. <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right, hey, what's up, man? Uh, and then, mm-hmm. he, then he gives it the speech. Apparently on the DVD commentary, um, 
Zach Galifianakis tries to like make a comment three or four times to try and insist that there's nothing creepy about why Alan isn't allowed near a school or a Chuck E. Cheese and says it was just a disturbance or something in his side character, but maybe he's overcompensating there and Alan shouldn't have been a hero the whole time. Yeah, Zach Galifianakis like seems I... to be trying to explain himself away for this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like that that bit absolutely gets over overlooked. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I love Alan from The Hangover, but the indications suggest he might be a quite quite a dark individual. From what we've said about Zach Galifianakis, and I feel like we're digging bits, well, at least I am, from all of the interviews we've done, but I guess that is the purpose of them, that we're kind of being educated a bit. But with JB, and he was saying that you do get some actors, as we've seen before, that they kind of got the Asiwakota where they are funny, but they don't really want to do comedy films. Yeah. And Zach Galifianakis seems like one of them where he kind of rode it for as, as long as he needed to. And then he's more than happy to not make a comedy film ever again, if he has his way by the seams of it, because it doesn't seem like he enjoyed anything about the success of this. <laughs> Still went on to make three of them, pick up the check for each one. Yeah. Hated doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine he'd be one that wouldn't be funny if you met them in person as well. No, I think he might be a, a little disappointing. No photos today, sorry. Get quickly out of there. What do you think is the best moment or scene across both? More than after scene in the uh, hangover, I think. Correct. No, sorry. More than after the end credits in the hangover would be my pick. I, I would have a choice of either of those. I think those are the top, top ones. <laughs> Mine's the the morning after during the film. I think there's just so many things that happen. The tiger, Anna running out, knocking into Phil. Baby. <laughs> the baby. The baby. Stu realising his tooth's gone. Just, yeah, loads of stuff. So that would be my choice. The way he makes out a lot, I'm a dentist. And it's not like a barber has a dodgy haircut. I feel like you can forgive your dentist for having a tooth missing. Like, that isn't a stumbling block. You don't see a dentist with a tooth missing and think, oh, crikey, I'm not going I don't know. Out. I reckon a front teeth. I'm thinking, do you mind if I see someone else? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that riddle, though, isn't it? You walk into a barber, you have two barbers in a town, one's got a bad haircut, one's got a good haircut. Which one do you go to? Yeah. Yeah. One with That's one haircut, of the things they say on the haircut. Gervais podcast. Very good. You don't go to the barber with a good haircut. You ask him where he got his haircut. Cool. Yeah, yeah. They also ridicule his job as a dentist, like that's a really bad job. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be paid handsomely for this job. It's because he just calls himself a doctor the whole way through, isn't he? Yeah, plays Which, himself, doesn't he? They've ripped off from two and a half men, I'm calling that. Okay. Yes. Long-standing, on it? I think everyone, even Brooklyn Nine-Nine makes a joke about it at some point. It's fairly low-hanging fruit, well. isn't it? Oh. Uh, I just want two and a half men to get some respect. I'd take Sean of the Dead over two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> that is outrageous. <laughs> Although I did see the episode again the other day where they're making out like it's this massive moral dilemma that a 15-year-old or a supposed 15-year-old Megan Fox is there and they're all having to fight all of their urges because she's like cleaning their windows or something. And it's actually a genuine storyline that they're having to resist temptation. Which, looking back now, is obviously <laughs> not good at all. Chelsea or Mia, by Mia. 
Easy. Fair, fair. I think she's one of the goats, actually. Yes. Forget how class she is until I see her again. But Megan Fox in there, I think Alan says something along the lines. She asks him to put uh, sun cream on, and she says, if you don't do that, I'll burn. And he says, if I do that, I'll burn. <laughs> that is excellent. Best side character. Is, 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 is Mr. Chow taking this one across both films? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't yeah, think yeah. we've got a better one, do we? And Sean, I'm dead. No. Shout out to Eddie. Yeah, big <laughs> shout out to Fast Eddie. <laughs> What do you think about Bigger Impact? Because I suppose we were quite young in terms of watching this type of film when Shaun of the Dead did come out. Oh, because there's a if you look at it like globally, then it's obviously yeah. hangover, isn't it? But if we look at nationally, Shaun of the Dead probably had quite a big impact. Like it's the British comedy. I mean, people yeah, thir- stuff up first now, but because start, making thirty million isn't that much it is when you compare it to the four million budget which you look at some films where they spent like 19 million and you think what did you spend this on yeah yeah what did you do with the money so four million doesn't seem like much i will give it his credit for a low budget film where which relatively speaking i grant you but if you look at some of the budget some of the stuff in the budgets we've seen yeah um so so far they, they, they deserve a lot of credit for that I don't think it's a zombie zombie film either. No, you'd assume a zombie film needs a big budget as well. For the cast, for for either to have 10 extras extrapolated everywhere, I assume costs a lot of money to keep doing it or to keep. I know it said obviously they were paying people sort of a couple of quid a day, but if you've got to do, if you've got 400 people, or what, I don't know, that's probably a bad example. You've got 1,000 people and you've got to shoot for a week. It was soon, I don't want it. Do you not think they reached their hands into David pretty easily? I thought that they get inside him. Yeah. No uh, pun intended. Very <laughs> easily, they're reaching around with within about a second of clawing into it. Uh, they're think, reaching through cling film. Yeah, it's. I do. I do think that bit gives away a bit, but I actually think that's just done for the purpose of the effect for them just to be able to. It looks tear. very good. I just mean. I was thinking they didn't even really fight at this. It was just <laughs> very quick. Maybe he was just really soft. Maybe it's just they just get in there very easily. I don't know why they carried on trying to pull him in. Like at that point. We, we we had, I think, a News of the Week on Monday's podcast where a, a guy's uh, kid was being taken by a shark and he jumped in and scared the shark away. And I said that as, mu- uh, as much as uh, I love everyone there, if you've been taken by a shark, I'm assuming your race is run. There's not a lot I can do here. <laughs> so them trying to pull him back in when he's being gripped up by about 200 zombies... <laughs> You've got to be telling him, look, it's every man for themselves at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. So, so thanks, but no thanks situation, really. Yeah, exactly. W- would you say that Hangover for bigger impact still? Shaun of the Dead, as we've said, he's got his fan base, but the Hangover really is like a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. 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 If you ask someone whether they've seen the Hangover or if they've seen Shaun of the Dead, you'll be more shocked than not seeing the Hangover. Yeah. 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 Uh, what would you say for originality? Because they're both original in, the, in their own genres, aren't they? The way they, the way they do it. I thought it was a tough. I haven't. I still haven't actually decided which one I'm going for. I think Sean Dead has a bit more originality, just a little bit. I think, but I, I do think the Hangover is a lot better than just a. Uh, uh, Vegas comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, better than that. But I, I do think Sean Dead has a little bit more originality, just in terms of the idea of it. 
Yeah. If you just kind of fitted Quite them as they were, Hangover would probably come into the late night comedy thing on Netflix, wouldn't it? Which is usually where the films go to die in that section. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually put a thing up on Reddit yesterday asking for some gems of uh, the kind of teen gross-out comedy genre. So there might be some that we can take a look at because I hadn't heard of some of them. So we might have uh, some gems. I'd probably, yeah, I'll probably go for Sean of the Dead on that reason if you look at like, a Vegas Vegas stag party, which I know we've established is a bit more than that. But still, there's, there's a bit more originality to Sean of the Dead probably if I had to pick. So that's the one I'm going to go for. I wouldn't disagree with you, Sean. Keenan? The Hangover, but not for the reason that you think. I do actually think The Hangover, whilst it is, it's, it's technically a, it's a Vegas movie for the fact that it's set in Vegas. They only spend, they spend very limited time in Vegas, if you will, than in the casino. You see them for the one scene where they're trying to win the money to pay off what they need yeah. to pay off. The multitude of the film is, is, is closer to a crime caper. The running yeah. man looking for in the aftermath of, of the event and the aftermath of the crime and trying to get away. Whereas we've referenced it three or four times on the pod, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, I know it pays a lot of homage, so I, I think I'm being, I, actually, by my own volition, I think I'm being a bit harsh on Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> but it takes a lot of homage from films like Night of the Living Dead, The Day of the Dead, etc. Et yeah. like, Dawn of, of the Dead is literally what Dawn it's from, is yeah, so. <clears throat> But um, The George A. Romero one. Uh, like, I, 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 I let you make the They gave him an early way. screening of it, and he, he loved it, which is why they're in the remake. Yeah, as a as an extra. No, that that's fair. I, but like I say, I just think there's a lot of homages and like even little stolen bits of dialogue and so on. Or rewrite yeah, bits oh, of yeah, dialogue. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you are right in terms of it is more of a crime caper as well, the hangover. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if that's yes. quite what I was looking for, but no, I, I, I can, can see, see what, what I can you see mean. See my then. angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MVP across the two films, Alan. Yeah, I think it has to be. I will say. Stu's role is as much as you wouldn't want to be him that is kind of he's so necessary every bad thing does happen to him I'm, I'm probably speaking across the rest of the films as well here but he kind of you need someone who kind of is the butt of the jokes and he is that guy as well if, if you was... were one of the people in the hangover group who do you think it would be I mean everyone would probably want to be Bradley Cooper but not everyone can be Bradley can't Cooper can be Bradley so. Cooper no one wants to be a fucking duck. <laughs> Just be a forgettable member of the group. Well, if we're talking about Hangover 2, then I probably am going to be more Doug because he has an early night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or at least yeah, going back to the hotel. That is savage that Doug doesn't... Like, I understand why he's not in the first one, but why Why isn't Doug in the second one? I, I try, I've tried desperately to get him on here to ask that individual questions like when you read the script for the second surely you've got to be thinking come on yeah you're uh, surely thinking either i'm not in this film at all or if i am i've got to roll it but instead it's just i may as well have been lost again todd phillips is thinking look by the time it gets to a third one i've negotiated your fee for the first two you've nicked your living here <laughs> this time around you can do your own dirty work he's great in national treasure as well yeah <laughs> So we all agree for Alan for MVP. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking. Well, part of me was thinking about giving it to Sean as like a as a solo person, like because obviously all of the characters in the Hangover, in terms of the three of them, they're all 
you could argue they're all like equally strong. Whereas mm, Sean, carries, Sean carries the Sean the Dead. I mean, it's named after him, so he's the kind of sole MVP, if you like. He's like LeBron on the Cavs against yeah. Clay and yeah. Durant on the Warriors. Yes, yeah, fair. Best but, soundtrack. Yeah, you then. probably do give it to Alan, I suppose, but I just think Sean's worth consideration. Yeah. Best soundtrack. Yeah, this is a pretty comfortable one, isn't it? Yeah, comfortable. <laughs> as we've referenced. First, Not just the first, songs they put in, just the timing of when they put them in is perfect. Everything is. Yeah, first 20 minutes of uh, The Hangover, you get um, Can't Tell Me Nothing, Who Let the Dogs Out, Live Your Life, Yeah by Usher. I'm not sure there's. Yeah, the one even later in. When they've just had the drinks on the roof. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got later, you've got In the Air Tonight, you've got Stu's song. I guess you can clear there's a piano there. And the first song. What's the first song when the wedding. It's the wedding where they're setting up the wedding. What song's that? I mean, at the wedding, you've got. You've got. Candy Shop, you've got uh, Right Round by Flow Rider when it comes to the credits. By the way, the wedding singer on that is fucking hilarious. He's amazing. (laughs) Sensational. Good that he's got several gigs across that, the fact that he's in old school and uh, Starsky and Hutch as well. It's now or never, that's what I think about. Yeah. Is that the one that everyone would know as being in films but probably couldn't name because there is one that is playing awesome. when they're on the motorway on the way to Vegas just as they get on there when uh, Alan stands up and says Vegas baby and then the kid in the car sticks a finger up to him <laughs> Shaun of the Deads isn't bad it probably would win in a some lot weeks, of it weeks. Would win. yeah 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 it's not bad at all came up against the Giants. You've got some of the specials, Keenan's boys. Correct. Kerncraft 400, as we said. White Lines is in there as well. Yep. Hip Hop Bebop. you got some mm-hmm. Morrissey. No, written by Morrissey. That's more of the Smiths. Don't Stop Me Now, Queen. You've got a lot in there. But first 20 minutes of the hangover is an early knockout isn't it yeah, yeah afraid so Danny Garcia Rod Salka style that is <laughs> okay so uh, which film do you think ends better the ending <laughs> of Shaun of the Dead is actually one of the things I dislike about the film yeah. although I do concede there aren't many other ways that you can have it other than the army coming in and blasting them all away because I'd, yeah. I'd forgotten the ending. I was thinking, is it going to be the one of them where suddenly you have a flash and there's a serum and it's all been sorted that way, or how's it going to work? So I can see there isn't really much other ways they could do it, but I'm just not too sure. No, it's it's unfortunate that I think they've not got much scope to do much else with the ending. No, so don't have a great ending, and then the hangover smashes the ending. So. Yeah, Do you know that's... a scene where they look at the pictures is just a perfect way to end? Yeah. yeah. Do you know um, when Sean is in the at his job at the start of the film and he's flicking through the TV channels about the package and he says, uh, you've got your news channels, you've got Trisha. Um, 
the couple that's on Trisha and the small screen there is the same couple that then is the zombified version right at the end of the film where the woman is married to a zombie still. <laughs> so it's All just right. two. Yeah, so it's the same couple that's, that's very good. put on for continuation. I like it. So ending, would would you go for the hangover? Is that unanimous? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then finally, chemistry. Do you go for the chemistry of Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost or for the chemistry of... Uh, the three best friends. Yeah, that anyone could have. Yeah. Do you think they're a believable yeah. group of friends? I did wonder. Well, this is the point. They're not actually supposed to be... They're supposed to be two friends and an oddball. Yeah. It's supposed, it's supposed to be a Stewart's... great representation. Phil are supposed to be friends, aren't they? And yeah. Alan yeah. essentially is tagging along. Yeah, Do you see I, them three being friends? Uh, I, I, to me, it, it seems like long-standing friends. I yeah, see, yeah, I can yeah. see it. Yeah, because um, they They're talk about being in college. To the party. Yeah, they say he says in college he was always our drunk driver. So yeah, I mean you're looking at those blokes thinking they've got to be t- touching thirty if not over. So you're assuming they've known each other a while. Yeah, Bradley Cooper's the the coster of Project X. There isn't he? Where? He likes being the top dog too much to ever go elsewhere, but he does like to look around and think that he can do better than what he's got alongside him. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that is exactly it. I remember actually in uh, in primary school, uh, or junior school actually, where we had to do this little like election thing, and my group of mates that I was with, um, they wouldn't let me be the speaker, the the head <laughs> of the party, and so. Uh, I left my mates to go and uh, join someone else that they had people that didn't want to speak so I could be the speaker there. So how about Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper there? I will say, I don't know. I, I can't assume. Didn't I win. Don't, don't seem to know what you're like as a kid, but I think that was just playing to your strengths really, mate. If, they, if they're not recognising the talent they've got, then that's their own fault. <laughs> exactly. Because they weren't friends worth having. No. Little would they know, I would go on to win second place in the uh, speech day at Secondary school, and I was and robbed for first place. You don't talk about it first much. place. And host, host, because it was a, it was a robbery. Exactly. <laughs> Kid doing a speech on why he should be prime minister. Not believable. Me doing a one on knife crime being an issue in the UK. <laughs> Emotional and impactful. The heart of the big issues. You don't want you know Dude. about these roads. <laughs> Let me tell you. It ain't, cold point, on, it ain't cold on your streets, mate. I can tell you. <laughs> at one point, I banged a page with my fist to let them know. This is serious business. <laughs> uh, you've over dramatised it, which is uh, strange considering you were talking about knife crime. <laughs> <laughs> what, where, would, where would you go for chemistry? Which uh, which way are you are you shooting? I, think, I go on. Sorry, mate. I was about to say. I think again. I think Simon Pegg and Froster they're unlucky in terms of who they come up against. In another week, they may have because they do have good chemistry between them. They do bounce off each other well, but yeah. I think. Uh, especially how it builds in this as uh, you said with this it gets better and better with Alan's relationship with them all yeah. I think they, they have to win it the little things at the end like when uh, Stu finally stands up to his missus and there's a little shot of them all kind of smiling at the fact that he's finally they basically will this. celebrate like a goal <laughs> and then yeah. then they run yeah they run onto the dance floor don't they as, as, yeah. he, as the drop kicks in through his face yeah he breaks <laughs> up and he says uh, Alan shall we dance yeah, <laughs> that's 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 quite nice. I will. I Why do did agree. Singer doing Candy Shop when they're that's arguing? <laughs> um, 
I, I will say, obviously, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg are great as best mates because they've always been, they've been best, not very good, not best mates, you know what I mean? They've been mm. around each other for, for God knows how long now. So it is, it, they are very good together. So this this is one of them. We've had a, we've had a close matchup on paper, uh, but it has ended eleven one in favour of the Hangover. Good. At least it wasn't a whitewash, eh? <laughs> Got one on the board. Still yet to have a whitewash. What knocked up old school could be that that one knocked up is very strong. <laughs> knocked, up, knocked up actually. Knocked up rewatchability is going to struggle. Knock knock knocked up gets done. Hey. I can't wait for you boys to go head to head on that one. <laughs> I'm gonna have to slip some bungs, Ashley Cole style, to uh, Sean and TK ahead. ahead we'll time. see. We'll see. We'll see whether I would have taken first place in that speaking contest, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you were going to be prime minister. Trust me, I'm charismatic. I got that in there. <laughs> Just so hey, long as it... we were all told we were charismatic yesterday, and ugly, but charismatic. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I opened the door for him to call his ugly as well. I shouldn't, <laughs> give, shouldn't have given him that poetic license. <laughs> what? What did he say? Hey, we'll right. share more on that when the time comes. It was one of few back and forths we could actually get in with him, really. Yeah. And him will remain unnamed, so add a bit of mystery. I know. There we go. Um, yeah, you, you do. do. Listeners don't, Sean. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced you guys think no one actually listens Sean definitely Sean definitely thinks that we're just having a little chat yeah <laughs> this is just a phone call Byron sends me the numbers mate I'll have a look Not in. <laughs> anyway so final kind of bits where we do our talking points of the film Alan I think is pretty safe to say real star of the film when it comes to the hangover yeah, yeah. um and Shaun of the Dead is Shaun, as Shaun. as says on the poster. So there's no real shocks there. Um, in terms of recasting one role, if we go back to the castings that we potentially had for The Hangover, um, so we had Paul Rudd potentially being the role of Phil, or Vince Vaughn as the role of Phil. I, Vince Vaughn, I don't think, looks... Right alongside. I could them. see Paul Rudd as more of a stew. Yeah, absolutely. If Vince Vaughn's in the film, I want Vince Vaughn to be front and center. I don't, and none of this. If if I put Vince Vaughn in that film, Zach Galifianakis doesn't become a star. I'm telling you. Although yeah. Paul Rudd, even yeah. when he's playing someone that's shy, he does still always have like a quiet confidence to him, which is one of the opposite things of what you're having with. Stu's role, yeah, yeah. Just look at what? Paul Rudd, though. You know, you you look at him and you see that confidence. Yeah, Lindsay Lohan as Jade. I I think it does work. I yeah. really like Heather Graham, just in, like in general. So <laughs> I, I think she's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. That <laughs> made me laugh as well. <laughs> so potentials for the role of Alan then you had Jack Black if we go threes one by one. Oh no no no, no. that would have been hideous. That would really have been because if you think Alan is front and centre then Jack Black essentially plays Jack Black, doesn't he? It's just Jack Black in yes, another film, yes. like they do in the Star of Tropic Thunder. Yeah. What about uh Jonah Hill? 
or Jake Gyllenhaal in that role? I think Jonah Hill no. is like the obvious one. I think you Jonah lose Hill a little bit with Jonah Hill. Hill. I also think you lose yeah. a little bit with Jonah Hill because he would be markedly younger than the rest of the yeah. cast. Yeah, so yeah. the fact that he's such an oddball isn't as funny. So like no. you know, the Step Brothers is as funny as it is because it's two forty-year-old brothers. Yeah, Alan it would essentially be Jonah his... Hill from Forty-Year-Old Virgin. Yeah, yeah, but it's <laughs> just boots. extending on. Yeah, do, do you know the fact that he is the age that he is adds so much charm to it. So Jake Gyllenhaal's a weird one. Do you reckon they were struggling to get one of the stars they wanted to sign on the dotted line? And it's like uh, Dortmund had done this week, where they're. Like, by the way, you know, Sancho would prefer Liverpool to try and get United <laughs> to then hurry up and do their business. <laughs> and so it may be that kind of thing where they're like, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, he is a star. He could do this. <laughs> Everyone else, I could, we better sign quick. I think it might have been a studio pick. So where they, where they, even though they were struggling with the budget, I think one of the things that I read somewhere was they were trying to put big names on it to try and recover. So I don't know yeah, if that was a studio pick where they thought, well, we, we can add Jake Gyllenhaal's name to the, t- to the title and you'll get, you'll generate a bit of interest from, from I that. I can't even picture him doing, saying the lines. No. No. I can't have any of it for me. Not for me, Although we you. did say, the, the, the original script, they had Alan in a complicated relationship, so maybe the character would have been completely different. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And Keenan, what do you think about uh, Thomas Hayden Church in the role? <laughs> I do not want any part of it. <laughs> I won't, won't even entertain it. Would you prefer <laughs> prefer it to Jack Black? Um, yeah, but that doesn't say anything about Thomas <laughs> Hayden Church. It's just Jack Black I'd... should have retired after School of Rock because I do like that film. No, Jack Black needs to be in a film where it's about Jack Black. Yeah. Kind of like you don't put Jim Carrey in a film that isn't solely about Jim Carrey. No, you. I mean, you can now because that stars dim a fair bit. But well, yeah, back in the day, no, you couldn't. Jim Carrey. Yeah. I've had about six True. people message me this week saying, "By the way, have you seen the Truman Show?" And I feel like there's like a prank that I'm not in on. Maybe it's your very own Truman Show. The Byron Show is. We're <laughs> watching you right now. Well, that or it's just because it's at the front of Netflix. So there we go. So we we wouldn't change any of the cast of the of the main cast of Hangover really no. maybe a couple of people we could have snuck into side roles but no one no one in the forefront no what about Shaun of the Dead no I like them too and yeah, I do think can't touch those two it's it, the the rest of the film is so I don't want to say quintessentially but it's not it's not 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 far off it British it, you can't it'd have to be two British actors as well yeah, definitely. And I, I can't, I couldn't find two that I would want to replace <laughs> those two with. The only thing I can think of about replacing people is those five people that they walk past in that little cameo. Just put all of them <laughs> and swap them out. I'm if sure there's film... someone out there that would argue uh, Richard Iodi is uh, David, but I'm not sure I want to see it. No. You can see that. I could see that in all ways, to be fair. Yeah, I don't think you'd really hate him though. Like you, like David, no. he's a bit of a no. ass. Whereas I think IOR would just be awkward. I do like the IT crowd as well. Chris O'Dowd. Sure yep. 
fresh from his uh, nominations last week. The best yes. side character. Yes. Uh, if the cast swapped, which film works best? I think Shaun of the Dead works best. Yeah. <laughs> Although that would that would turn from being the original film that it is to being every other zombie film that we've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And if you add Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, does the movie improve? I was just saying, just quickly, speaking of uh, like zombie things, did you ever watch that Dead Set, which is about like Big Brother? No. Zombie outbreak, and then they get into the Big Brother house. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, I think that it came out after this, after Shaun of the Dead, but I, thought, I just thought that was pretty good. One of the best zombie things I've seen. Mm. Did you ever watch Jennifer's Body? I didn't watch Jennifer's Body, no. Damn shame Megan Fox is shacked up with uh, MGK now. That's a real shame. It is. I saw a picture of that earlier. I was shocked. Yeah. Good interview she did recently about Jennifer's Body, where we've had recently where they spoke about um, the screenings that they do. And so Mm -hmm. Jennifer's Body was all about, like, female empowerment in a zombie film. And then when they did the test screenings, they got a load of teenage lads in there and just told them they were seeing a film with Megan Fox being uh, putting herself about a bit. And so they got their comment cards back and they said the most popular comment they had was, uh, needs more boobs. <laughs> like, right, we've done, we've got the wrong people in to judge hey, this. Hey, look, if you're going to get that sort of test audience, then what are you going to do? What the fuck are you expecting out of yeah, a film yeah. with a yeah. beautiful woman in it and teenage lads? <laughs> You're looking for something constructive. You asked the wrong crowd. Correct. Well, they said um, there was an email that was leaked, I think, with um, one of the studio execs where uh, and he he had to sell the film to someone else. And he said uh, three words, Megan Fox boobs. Hmm. And this was from a studio executive. So they were complaining that they never really stood a chance as it was to make a success of the film. No, but have you ever seen the Fry from Futurama meme where it says, shut up and take my money? Yeah, you can throw them three words at me now. A little, like ten years down the line, then I'll still give you the same answer. Yeah, I think that was probably the reason a fifteen-year-old me watched that while on study leave. That's fair. Wasn't the film I was expecting. <laughs> Although I think it was just sold on the basis. Remember when Piranha came out and it was yeah. sold because every paper had the thing saying like Kelly Brook lesbian sex scene. And people, oh my god, we've got to see this. <laughs> Coincidentally, I did sneak into the cinema to see that film, but that yeah. wasn't that wasn't the sole reason. And when they sold Jennifer's body, saying a lesbian scene, Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, Piranha, not the type of eating out you're looking for, really. <laughs> Good little film though, that and second one. They knew what they were. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I might have that as my nomination actually, because. Good little film to rewatch. Is there a comedy? I guess so. In I've saying, never seen it. There's a guy with machine guns for legs. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Back to the final couple, a couple of things then. So if you add Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, does the movie improve? Yep. Where are you fitting them in The Hangover? As main characters or side characters? I was thinking about the side characters thing. I don't actually know. 
Owen Wilson can do it, Doug, can't he? Feel are you just are you wasting them? Yeah, you are. I'm, I spend then I spend the I spend the first twenty minutes in Kid Four. Or I spend the twenty minutes of the night after scene going, well, they go find find them. they're bringing him back. Yeah, Owen Wilson, get him in. Where like Brian Cranston in uh, Godzilla, they killed him off in the last fifteen minutes, and he was the face of the poster. <laughs> mm. Sneaky that is. They did it. I'm pretty sure I watched an Alien film with you, Sean, in the cinema where they sold it with Ryan Reynolds, and the same thing happened to him early doors. I definitely watched it with Alex. Was I just on? Was I on mute then? I didn't hear what you were saying. If you did say anything, <laughs> so. I might have been on mute. I was saying that. Um... Owen Wilson and Vince Horn could possibly be the police, or the other one I thought was Vince Horn. <laughs> you were definitely doctor. muted. How long did it take you to realize that you were muted? <laughs> we were just weren't well, acknowledging were, anything he said. You were, you, were talking, you were talking over me at the same time, so I figured like, maybe you didn't hear me. Uh, so just those points, super rude. Yeah, yeah they, could, they could be the police, but I do think the police also do a very good job with Rob, did, Rob yeah. Riggle. Keenan's not taking Rob Riggle out. I've said it for some time now. Yep. I think that does wrap us up for the day. I mean, this is two hours ten without even uh, sheesh any clips in, so we won't keep anyone any longer than uh, we need to. So, I mean, we really are coming into the the, the home stretch of the, the first round. End. Next week we've got. We said it was a style clash this week. It's probably the opposite, and it's a lot of one and the same next week, where we have uh, dodgeball up against white chicks. So we've got a similar time of release there. We've got one that we probably all would have watched when we were younger, so I haven't seen white chicks in God knows how long. So interested to see how that aged. All I remember is uh, a bit with the Tolkien powder or whatever it is. But we'll get on to that next week. So dodgeball, white chicks next week. We had an 11-1 win for the hangover this week. So that'll be going through to the next round. Thanks again for listening to another episode. Search Spitballing Pod on YouTube. Watch all the interviews there, all the clips there. Or just go back through our feed on here and you'll find other interviews there as well. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. Adios.